Hey, we're trying to build mythology here, Steiner. Come on. <laughs> no, no, you're gonna get a you're gonna get a hard dose of reality here. Hey. <laughs> Where has the past influenced me now? How has it affected me? And in what way can I like harness that positivity from it, the good stuff going forward? Everybody. Hey. Hey, man. How's hey. it going? Oh, it says. Is that that might not oh. be the best thing, right? Did it? That's weird. Why did it use that one? I had to. Uh, whoa! There he is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Holy <my> crap! <laughs> How's Hello. it going, man? Steiner, you look fantastic. Oh, thank you. It's good to see you guys. Oh, it's good to see you too, man. I've been like all day. I'm like, what's gonna happen when you finally see him and. I'm gonna get emotional. That's what's gonna happen. Jesus, we've been That's looking forward to seeing your beautiful face all day. Uh, it's been far too long since we've seen each other. So I know. Oh man, how how you doing? Doing great. I'm out here enjoying uh, Twinkies hospitality, and it's been a fantastic time. And now I get to cap this off talking with you, gentlemen. So oh, that's awesome. Couldn't be well, better. Well, welcome, welcome to Long Walk Short Drink. Uh, and welcome anyone listening out here in the uh, in the internet. Uh, this is episode thirty-five of Long Walk Short Drink, and uh, joining us, it, actually, you probably you might have heard two voices by now. Uh, we have joining us is uh, Twinkie, uh, back at it again, and then uh, is the third cabin kid to join us on the show, uh, Steiner. Thank you for joining us, Steiner. Man, it's good to see you. Oh, welcome, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. How long has it been since we've... Uh, well, I know we're not in, in each other's physical presences, but how long has it been? I, I've seen you in the last few years, not but not really gotten to hung out. Um, but what about you, Palmer? Like, How long has it been between the two of you? Steiner's hair wasn't touching his shoulders yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's I'm try, thinking it was maybe 2008. Yeah, that sounds about right. Time. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it just like it, when it was, I think it was at one of Dave's shows um, at Musica and we just happened to like bump into each other over a cigarette uh, in in the back behind Musica there. Yeah, that sounds right. I yeah. feel like that's where I last saw you too, the Musica, <laughs> yeah, but I'm, maybe not that same one yeah, sooner sure, I, sure in the last the couple of years. Yeah, I think the last time you played Musica, uh, maybe on your way out to New York, I think it was that time. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. 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 And you had like, you were clean shaven, except for you had these awesome mutton chops and your, <laughs> and your uh, hair was like just down past your ears, but it was not touching your shoulders yet. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. I've put a lot of effort into it in the years that it, have passed. It looks fantastic. <laughs> like your beard is like, I have beard envy. It looks fantastic. And you have that beautiful ponytail like let me turn let me see a profile let's see let's oh see that yeah much. oh this my gosh that's so awesome nice. all right oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, like no it's so great that you're like you're gaining hair as you progress through time and i'm just losing it and oh man i'm that's so awesome 
<laughs> yeah, I intend to keep this going as long as I can. Um, yeah. Take advantage of all the time I might have left. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, man. Hopefully that's a lot. Yeah. Oh, hair, hair growing time. Let me. Oh, that. okay. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> Again, I'm so. It's just so great to see my friends like gaining hair in their age instead of losing <laughs> it like I did. I tried to tell my wife, I like, babe, you don't understand. Like, I had hair down to the middle of my back that was like a rope when it was in a ponytail it was so thick and she's like nah i'm like no i swear to god it was so awesome it was the best <laughs> when was that i don't yeah, remember um, yeah <laughs> he's there uh, and i don't know oh and oh, he's there as well <laughs> yeah i'm Twinkies everywhere everywhere <laughs> Where, would that that were true that's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh sorry for the delay there Oh, no, no problem. No. We were about to find out when Palmer had hair long enough that it was like... Uh, like it was during back. my first marriage. Uh, like, So I was growing it when I met my first wife, and then I cut it off during that marriage. But it was in its like peak. It was like down in the middle of my back. It was so sweet. <laughs> Man, I didn't remember <laughs> that. I bet it was, though. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it was so great. Uh, in talking about hair, Holly asked uh, yesterday, my my wife Holly, um, saying, "Do you, do all your friends have to have beards? Is that like a requirement for you <laughs> to be friends with somebody?" And I said, "Well, I think I think a little bit because I have beard envy because I can't I can do like a little thing here and that that's the end of it." Um, but so yeah, it's true. Well, we have mullet envy. Let's see this thing. Yeah, let's see your profile, man. <laughs> okay. Let's see how the right. mullet's come. Oh! oh! my God! <laughs> oh, yes! And we still got two months. Oh, man. Well, less than two months. Yeah. But, uh... That is wicked. Oh, you know, that deserves a cheers. Yeah. Yes. Raise, uh, raise them up. Let's pop these yeah. open. On okay. three. Three! What's everybody got? Steiner, what are you drinking? I have a Prost Martzen from out here in Denver. Oh, uh, awesome. What kind of beer good. is that? It's a Oktoberfest Martzen. So uh, mm. I'm probably saying that wrong. Don't uh, don't correct me on the internet if I am. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Then all, all the Star Wars nerds are, are going to come out yeah, and yeah, correct you on the your beer. beer. Nerds. <laughs> There's nerds everything now there's yeah <laughs> they would sound different we should come up with yeah. a voice for them yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but i also have my oktoberfest beer sweater koozie so where did that come from out. uh the internet uh surprisingly yeah. you know of all places you're just like i need an, an octoberfest uh sweater for my beers let, yeah. let me find one need is a strong word yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> now that I've seen one, I, <laughs> uh, I'm just drinking a Miller Lite. What is uh, th that's not very exciting. What about Twinkie there? Oh yeah, so uh, Steiner was kind enough to bring out for me this can, which is it. So right here, it looks like it's bigger than my head, but it's it gigantic. actually it actually is bigger than my head <laughs> as I move it back. Wow. Um, it's from a local Akron brewery called. Shea Brewing, is that right? It's uh, Shea Brewing. Shea. Um, it is a chocolate coffee stout. Oh, man. Ooh, nice. And it's like six gallons of it. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, You're not going to sleep we'll see. on Tuesday. Yeah. We'll see how I'm doing uh, by the end of this podcast. Yeah. Here, anyway, cheers. Here we go. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. I got a red stripe. It's just a red stripe. Oh, that's great. I literally thought like I was going to clink somehow for a split second of my brain because I could see you all with your beers raised. (laughs) Oh, man. One day. Cheers. Cheers. One day. Oh, man. Oh, that's good beer. Yeah. Mine suddenly tastes worse now that I've seen (laughs) that that acronym. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Dave, don't worry, Dave. I'm with you in a Team Miller Light. That's the old standby when I'm not splurging on vacation here. So yeah, but don't don't feel bad. I'll try not to. But you're out in um in Colorado visiting uh visiting Twinkie here. Uh, tell tell us about uh well shit. I don't know. Actually, we should probably get to know Steiner uh, as a, as a as a collective here, right? Yeah, I think how, so. Maybe I guess rather than tell us about your vacation, tell us how uh how you come to um, be on the show or in terms of like how you know all of us. Uh, I don't know how best to get yeah. into that. But. Well, I can start at the beginning, which in in this case really is the beginning. Because um, with uh, Twinkie, I don't actually remember the first time I met Twinkie. Uh, his mom and my mom were good friends and we kind of grew up together. Um, we were probably two, three years old when we first started hanging out and wow. we were childhood friends growing up. So Twinkie's always been there from the beginning, which is fantastic. Uh, Palmer, I remember meeting in kindergarten. Yeah. And the distinct memory of uh, your mom coming to pick you up at my house after a day of playing who knows what, but yep. I remember we were friends all the way back then even. And uh, yeah, all through school. All through school, up to middle school, high school, the whole shebang. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is great as well. Um, and Dave, I remember, always remember kind of seeing you around school. And then uh, when I got old enough, or when we got up to high school, I guess, uh, we were on the soccer team together. I remember that's probably the first place we ran into each other. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, what position did you play? I don't remember that, though. I was always on on the defense. Oh yes! The, the, it, as soon as I said it aloud, I'm like, "Well, no, I remember him back there with me." That's that's where you want to be. That's where I wanted to be because oh, you don't yeah. have to run as much. You basically get to tackle people. <laughs> and in my case, jump kick soccer balls. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's where you want. I mean, that was that was the place to be in my estimation. So <laughs> I remember you there now. I always felt there was so much less pressure, uh, not having to score the goals, just preventing the other team from scoring. Yeah, and I could get the ball and quick pass it to somebody else before I really screwed things up. So, <laughs> or like me, just kick it out of bounds. That was my my go to. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's also a valid maneuver. <laughs> yeah, that's why I never played indoor or anything. It's like you can't do any of the things <laughs> I like to do. <laughs> you have to really like, you know, have fundamentals and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Didn't go for that. <laughs> I, I I think as a quick callback, yeah, as a quick callback to uh, the first uh, cabin episode, at least the one I was on. I think we had vaguely mentioned that I knew Palmer through Steiner, and I don't, yeah. I don't know if we used Steiner's name because we were somewhat uh, just 
you know, we were trying to be cautious about who we drug into this, uh, <laughs> oh, this podcast. It bled I through always lead with plausible deniability. Like, yeah. <laughs> you want to maintain plausible deniability. Yeah. But I do, I met Palmer, uh, through Steiner and then, and, uh, you know, of course that. I mean, are, arguably that. Steiner is like the linchpin that led to all of this. I mean, ultimately, like down the line, because that that's exactly right. Like the first time I remember really hanging out with Twinkie was actually in the barn that the land that was on the land that the cabin ultimately would be on. But was like years before, like we were still in eighth grade and we like stayed overnight in the barn there on that piece of property. Um. Yeah, and then that, that led to like mystery science theater nights <laughs> where the three of us were, were doing that weekly. And that was all pre cabin too. I mean, that, so th those were the two main things that I remember hanging out with Twinkie prior to the cabin. And that was through Steiner. Yep. So I remember whose house yeah. was the gathering point for the mystery science theater. Mine on sunset. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Do you remember any of the which episodes or anything? Oh man, no! It was like it was all early stuff uh, on the Sci Fi Channel. So Mike was the. It was like right around like when there was the Mystery Science Theater movie and. Right, I say I remember watching the movie there. Yeah, um, and like Mike was the guy. I think that was his name. Mm -hmm. Mike Nelson. Mike Nelson. Yeah. No alien uh, from LA. <laughs> That's my no, favorite. That's the only one I watched like multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> Larry but, uh, had a big, like, had a huge hard on for the Mitchell episode, <laughs> which wasn't even a sci-fi movie. It was like a like <laughs> private detective movie. I don't even know why it was on Mystery Science Theater, but I guess this episode was really good. But he hmm. really liked that episode. Really, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't remember that one. What about? Uh, I mean, isn't Steiner one of the uh, the people that built the cabin with his bare hands? Or am I getting ahead of our, ourselves? Well, I wouldn't go so far as saying I built it with my bare hands. I was certainly. Hey, we're trying to build mythology here, Steiner. Come on, <laughs> no, no, you're going to get a you're going <laughs> to get a hard dose of reality here. Hey, <laughs> mythology. mythology. We need to we need to say like uh, we were out in the woods and then like angels appeared to us and um, issued a blueprint. And we just simply by divine uh, directive constructed the cabin. I, that's how I remember it. I mean, I could be wrong, but yeah, I'm not, plausible. Sure, not sure I can let that slide. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's quite a deviation from my memory. <laughs> well, then let's hear the Steiner perspective. Let's, let's hear it from the horse's mouth. Oh, well, this is probably just as fallible as your recollection. So take it, take this with a grain of salt as well. Uh, yeah, I was part of the, I guess you could say the four founding members, uh, but I was certainly the, the least of the four. Uh, I was the youngest. Um, and I was just kind of tagging along with these guys. Uh, I remember heading out and we'd go out to the, I guess the founder, the primary founder's farm uh, when we were younger, Twinkie and I. And we'd be out there and help bale hay and 
ride around in tractors and paint gar- uh, garage roofs and all kinds of stuff. We thought it was fun because we were city kids going out and playing farmer. Uh, the farm boys, of course, thought we were crazy for wanting to do something like come out and bale hay. <laughs> uh, but we hung out and really got to know these guys and went on several adventures before the cabin, uh, one of which involved uh, plastic barrels and uh, wooden pallets lashed together with baling twine in an attempt to float down uh, Chip Creek, oh. Uh, oh, which man. was met, met with uh, mixed results. Uh, but uh, after after a while, I, the guys came up with the idea of putting this cabin in the woods out there. And really, the, the two main guys, the two farm boys, they really put in the effort and did the design and did a lot of the work themselves uh, getting it out there. And it was a ton of work. I remember it probably took them a full summer, if not more, to get the cabin up and finished. And Twinkie was out there helping them uh, when he could and certainly chipped in a lot. And I just kind of, I don't even think I had my license at that time. So I wasn't 16 yet um, or maybe just about. So whenever I could hitch a ride with Twinkie, uh, I'd be out there and probably supervising more than helping. But So no <laughs> mythology aside, I do bear the scars of the cabin. Um, we, we put on the, the roof, which you remember was just tin, right? It was just a yeah. very thin tin roofing because every time it rained, it sounded like, you know, the, the fucking apocalypse or something in there. It was just so and loud. And then, heaven forbid, there was an actual storm. Like, yeah. Because like, I remember being there a couple times when there was legit storms that came through. Yeah. It'd be like, hey, how are you guys doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? You know, just shouting over the, yeah. the sound of rain. Um, but when we finished the roof, I put the last piece on the end and attempted to, like, slide down the roof slowly to get to the bottom of the roof and then just kind of jump off because it was only eight feet high or something. It wasn't that high off the ground. But then I caught the side of my finger and had put a big gash in it, and I I still have the scars of the cabin. I bear the physical scars of the cabin, let alone the mental ones. (laughs) He he, he bled for the cabin. (laughs) Literal blood sweat. (laughs) I'm sure Steiner did way more work than what he's saying. He's being. Um, I believe he did too. Yeah. Uh, being very uh, uh, coy about his involvement. I, and I don't have specific, you know, re- recollections of, of the intent. And, and certainly the other two did a lot of work framing, getting the plate, giving the, the ground level and uh, uh, getting supplies. But, but Steiner did a lot of work as well in the work required to get the money to go buy the two by fours and the, the flooring and the treated lumber and whatever, you know, we, we did all do quite a bit of work to get the funds to be able to, to build that. Yeah. I think you mentioned that before Twinkie. It was that painting that garage roof or the barn roof was really right. the, the main endeavor. Mm-hmm. And I think we did some other odd chores around the farm to try and pitch in and help yep. in ex- exchange for all that. We got the supplies. Then, like farmhands, like painting, like I bet that barn roof was treacherous. Yeah, I don't and, remember. Were we up on the full barn roof, or was it just the uh, over the 
the milk house. There was a couple different sheds. Like the main barn, I think, had shingles. Well, okay. I don't know. You know what? I don't. I'll try to pull it up on like Google or something while we're talking. But it was just like some like thick paste, you know, that you're like yeah. with these big brushes covering the tin so that it didn't rust. You know, it was awful. It was like a million degrees and humid. And I mean, just. <laughs> you got raw lumber. Yeah, that's right. We got like 150 bucks worth of two by fours, which at the time seemed amazing. But in hindsight, maybe I was slightly taken advantage of. <laughs> no, I'm... just a bit, just a bit. Yeah. Was that barn in, in, on the same sort? Of, was that adjacent to where the cabin was built, or that was someplace else? No, it was somewhere different. Um, oh. The land where the cabin was wasn't actually part of the the family farm. There was another arrangement. So the family farm was down the road a ways where we did this work. Hmm. And what do you mean when you say you were supervising? You, were you like holding the plans and be like, no, 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 uh, do it, you know, this way? <laughs> no, I, I, I was mostly just standing there watching uh, because oh. <laughs> those guys knew what they were doing and I sure didn't. And I was just trying to stay out of the way, I think. Did they have... Um construction experience or was this whole th thing like a catalyst i mean or did they basically kind of teach themselves just so they could make this happen i think they relied heavily on their experiences as being farm boys where you get to be pretty handy pretty quick and I, they may have did some research and maybe had some other experience doing things but they uh they were definitely winging it they kind of <laughs> had an idea in their heads but it was it was done on the fly for sure Hey, it it came together though. It held up. Oh, it's still held talking up. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. How much older than than us generally were were those two guys? So uh, those two guys were actually the same age as Twinkie. What? So, yeah. Yeah, despite yeah. despite appearances, they were the oh, same as Twinkie. My fucking god. That I I thought for sure, at least one of them was older than me by a few years. That is crazy. That is the oldest 18-year-old I have ever seen. <laughs> Not in a bad way. Like, he looked like the Marlboro Man. Like, he did look like the Marlboro oh, Man. Oh, my God. And Tom Selleck. Like, yes. the baby. <laughs> if, if the Marlboro Man and Tom Selleck had a baby, that's, that's who he like. <laughs> And if you watch uh, on our YouTube page, and generally we post them on Twitter around the time of Cabin Kid episodes, the what we call it, the cabin video or the one video. It's basically a montage from this period of time. You can see them. So obviously there's no names involved, and you would have to know them personally to recognize them and put a name to the face. But you could see this this magnificent specimen of a of a cowboy who yeah. is evidently a fucking teenager like the rest of us. That that truly blows my mind. Yeah, he was he was my age though, a little older. I think you know, like six months older, but in my grade, I guess is the right my uh, age range. At least at church, like we lumped, we were lumped together. We all went to the same uh, call or uh, church and um, <laughs> spent time together there. And so him, the, the three of us were in the same. Then Mike would have been one year kind of younger. Um. As those things are. What school system did the, the the builders go to? They were over in Norway. Okay. Norway. Oh yeah. So just the one town over. Hmm. 
All right, breaking news. I just pulled up Google Earth because it's 2017. And it does appear that all the roofs that we potentially would have been working on are tin, according Whoa. to satellite images from uh, 2014. So I'm going to say that we did the entire barn because that's a way better story than like <laughs> that's, three, I mean, <laughs> than like three I, little roofs, again. you know. Let's take a bunch of 14-year-olds and have them risk their life in limb. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to pay them in lumber. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this is just standard operating procedure around those parts. Yeah. No, it was. It was. I I totally get it. It's just I just painting a picture. Wow. But to maybe cast a little color on why we wanted to build this cabin in the first place. Yeah. Um, that was my question. Thank you. You read my mind, yeah. literally. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, it, it, I remember probably the first time we really went out, went out to hang out with these guys. Well, no, that's not true. Let me back up. Somewhere in the middle of hanging out with these guys, we had the brilliant idea of taking a hay wagon out into the field, into the cow pasture next to the, to the family farm there and went out and rolled our sleeping bags out on the hay wagon and had a little campfire and i think that was the first time we had camped out together and after a time or two of that we realized wow this would be a lot nicer if we had things like a roof and heat and uh you know a, a bit more accommodation ladies I think that aspect was overstated. Um, maybe, well, although Twinkie's motiva motivations are his own, I cannot speak for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but speaking for myself and the and the other two guys, I think a lot of the motivation was the uh, was the escape and the ability to go out into the woods every Friday and kind of be away from you know, be away from the usual, be away from home and family and parents and all that and have our yeah. own space. Uh, those guys had ideas about being cowboys and whatnot, but they're able to play cowboys the best when we're out in the woods uh, by ourselves. Right. So no chicks, man. I just wanted to hear Twinkie say chicks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. I was always way too scared to talk to girls, but again, uh, yeah. we're creating we're creating some mythology here. You know, we're <laughs> yeah. let's let's uh, let's leave the details to be purposely vague. <laughs> so, oh, I like I like this. Uh, it's nice to get these other perspectives, it especially is fantastic. from. It sounds like uh, Steiner has listened to the podcast. I love it. Now pumps pumps. Now Steiner, come on! And they're like, no, no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let me set you straight. I, I, really have, I have been yeah. looking forward to this for, for quite some time ever since um, I had talked to Steiner about coming out and visiting me six months ago or however, when it, wherever it was, I kind of forget. And then kind of got delayed and pushed back and I had schedule stuff and he had such schedule stuff, but um, it, it, it's always fantastic to hear things from a perspective that isn't mine. I've forgotten so much. I really have. And I've probably chosen to remember the things that I particularly hold dear or because I want to view things in a certain way. I think that's a human way of 
of of being is to remember the things we want to remember. And so uh, whether it's Dave sharing his stories or Palmer talking or like Steiner sharing the story about the the hay wagon thing, totally forgot about that. You know, I, oh, I don't man. remember. I mean, I remember now it, it, it's a clear memory to me, um, but that has long been overshadowed by any number of other memories that I probably wanted to recall. I'm just recalling your uh, the list of questions that you sent us to ask pumps. And I'm almost wondering if it'd be be uh, a way of, of getting at some of this, you know, this you could contrast the answers to the same questions to another person. Um, uh, yeah, I'm up for that. Palmer or uh, Steiner and I have talked and I've tried to like, we've had conversations, but we've also tried to be really cognizant of not cheating it because I would really like to hear when you guys are hearing uh stories and thoughts that he has and ideas and the way he views this because I I uh, I look forward to um, hearing it and having that conversation in this group um, because I find that to be very valuable. Outstanding. Um, I, I asked that question without having the questions in front of me. I have. I just found them. <laughs> oh, bless you. Okay. Palmer, you I was on it. The bomb.com. I was on it. I was on it. <laughs> We well, should go round you, robin or something. That way, maybe you, Twinkie, you, you can elect to ask forward, questions you haven't. Let me just forward this to... Um, yeah, even forward them to Steiner as well. Um, or I can forward it to his number so he has a chance to... Yeah, because I don't have his number, but I would yeah. love it, though. Shoot it to me and... So this is going to go back to David Twinkie. I just uh, pasted it back in the same thread. Okay. Except for five, I guess won't make a lot of sense, but okay. I don't, I don't know Steiner... because he wanted to fight everybody. I think that, <laughs> that's that, true. That's... That should be a recurring theme. <laughs> that should be a recurring theme with every cabin kid that we have on. Is that oh, yeah. should be the last question we ask him? All right, who wants to and ask the one uh... day, oh, ten sorry, years guys. from now? We're gonna finally have him on. Yeah, and he's gonna want to fight every one of them bitches, <laughs> like every one of them. By then, we'll have earned it. Like, oh <laughs> yeah, I would willingly fight him if that meant. Yes, I would willingly fight him if yeah. that would get him on this podcast, and he would he would actively answer questions in an honest and clear way. I would do whatever he asked me to do. Yep, except heroin. Well, yeah. Still not <laughs> Fucking heroin, really? Like he always went there. Did he always uh, go there with you? Like yeah, with everybody. Oh man, <laughs> I'll do anything I mean, he asks except fucking heroin. I don't remember specifically, but I'm sure he even like when we were leaving church, like uh, after lunch, he'd like, hey, let's go do some heroin. No, like, dude, you just left church. You can't ask people to do heroin when you're leaving church. There's rules here, buddy. <laughs> Well, and at the time, I can't imagine it was very readily available to whatever your connections. I mean, nowadays no. in that area, it probably is, right? That's what I oh, hear. Yeah. Anyway. yeah, I mean, now it would be nothing. Like, you do heroin anytime you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> I remember him saying H-bomb. You go H-bomb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Shit. incongruous. Uh, so who wants uh. to ask the... Uh, the first question, so for, I don't know if somehow you've heard this and haven't listened before. Question number five is, we'll start with that one. <laughs> will you fight Bauman if he asks you to go? Uh, I will not fight Bauman. Uh, and I really don't remember uh, him being so combative. 
uh, <laughs> while we were out there. Maybe maybe I just wasn't paying attention. I did hear the pumps episode and the stories of the physical combat out there, but there's definitely a, we were all pretty chill out there. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of fighting or even roughhousing as far as I remember. Yeah. Maybe I was inside while other people were outside. I do remember, was it, was it bombing that jumped on you Palmer? Yep. Do you remember that? Yeah, do you have that visual in your head too? I, it's burnt in my no, brain. I just, I just barely remember like, just the fact that it happened. And honestly, the closest thing to a physical fight I've ever been in was with Bauman at the cabin. And it was just, I just got tired of him masking. And it was like, <laughs> you know what? Let's do it. Yes, let's do it. Well, and, and like, we went outside and fought. And I, like, he jumped off the, the porch at me and I flipped him over my back into the wood pile. And <laughs> that's I, what I remember. Insulted I remember. like Jennifer Love Hewitt's head. <laughs> And he kicked me in the shoulder. He was like pant- trying to pantomime a roundhouse kick, but I leaned into it and he got me in the shoulder. And we both looked at each other like, "Oh shit, that could have really been bad." I actually do um, remember that too because I mean, I I'm never gonna I rep for fucking register a roundhouse kick. I'm like, "Oh shit, <laughs> yeah, this roundhouse is happening." Yeah, I was very excited by that. Yeah. That that thank you. I had forgotten um, that in the 20 years. That was the closest <laughs> thing to a fight I've ever been in, and that was with Bauman. And I like, I always though like, yeah, I would agree with you 100. percent There was not a, a ton of roughhousing. Like that was like one of maybe. I mean, I remember Pumps and Dan all like Pumps just always like doing terrible things to Dan. Really? Uh, what? Like what? Well, there's that one. There's that picture in the book of like pumps, like like has Dano's legs around the flagpole, and he's like ramming his nuts into the flagpole. Like that's not actually in the book. At least I couldn't find it. Like, I was trying to post really? that with one of the episodes, oh, I and that I was in the book. yeah, I, I can't even visualize that. Uh, that photo. I'll have to look and see. Maybe that's in one of my no, one of my books. Oh yeah, you, we need to have a oh. sequel to the book. All your photos. Oh, it is. I think it is in one of my. I think it is in one of my photo albums. Wait, you Anyways, have your own book? I well, I always had a camera with me too through all that stuff. Um, so how I much have a, we haven't seen nearly as many. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk this about happen. this, Palmer. I'll have let's... to look and see. I I mean, I have. It's all in the next room. Oh um, my god, this killed me. You gotta. <laughs> yeah. Can you bring it to Des Moines? well we could make selections so uh, archive it yes um, we can this it's will be so easy forever like it is so easy to, to make, make books now like anytime you ever want to see these make an appointment bring your white gloves <laughs> no no we would uh but right. it's so easy to get like to make books that have binding and stuff it's so cheap oh, i remember yeah. when we made our photo uh book it involved cutting cutting the prints and a lot of time at Kinko's, and they cost like a hundred bucks a piece. Yeah, I remember were, it was ninety yeah. bucks. <clears throat> yeah, because it's like a dollar a color copy. And nowadays, yeah, it'd be a fraction of that, and it'd be it look amazing. Oh my god! Yeah. And ninety dollars in night in nineteen ninety eight was it's probably like three thousand dollars now. Would be my <laughs> yeah. guess. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, now, well, now I finally, it, there's a, digi- a free digital one. If, if any cabin kids hear this and <laughs> lost their book, let me know. Yeah. You can hit us up at, at LWSDPod on Twitter or just uh, it's what LWSDPod at gmail.com. Yeah. Yep. That works too. 
any listeners, I guess. I don't know, right? Who, fuck, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> There's no names in that thing. All listeners. All right, well, let's get back to Steiner. Yeah. And let's ask please. Steiner some questions. Should I kick it off here? With, yeah. Uh, we, he's I'm not going to... I guess I'm not going to kick it off because we have established you will not fight Bauman. <laughs> Which, I will not fight Bauman. Or anyone else, for that matter. Yeah. I mean, the, to be fair, if you could see my my phone let's see it has the little emoji with the smiley uh, can you see it with the sunglasses it's the yeah. sunglasses emoji so it was asked in jest for the record um first question do you recall how you viewed the cabin while you were actively involved in its use and so th these are my questions i'd like to take a chance just to like clarify for a second um we talked a little about your motive and you generally kind of established, I think, from what you had said, it was kind of as most teenagers want to kind of set out on your own a bit, maybe get some separation between some authority and yourself, all reasonable things. Like, I guess my question is, did you have any, um, do you recall having anything other than that? Were there other things that you saw it as, viewed it as a, a larger than life thing as we have discussed, or was it? Uh, just something out, even outside of that. But do you recall how you viewed the cabin while you're actively involved in its use? Yeah. So the cabin, as you guys have mentioned before, was always the cabin, capital T, capital C. And that was just like, it was its own entity. And I guess my, my perspective on it at the time was, Hey, this is really cool. I get to go out here. I get to hang out. Uh, I'm away from away from home. You know, I'm out from under parental supervision for a little bit. Look how cool this is. Uh, and we get to get these uh, friends together and hang out, which was always fun. And there was kind of two eras uh, to the hanging out at the cabin. It was originally the four founders, and then. Uh, uh, a small group of friends that were uh, really their friends uh, coming in from the other school district, a little bit older than me. And I think, you know, the first uh, period measured in months, I imagine, of hanging I out. I stayed out them. there a couple times prior to it being the, the yeah, cabin. Yeah, I remember having invited you along, Paul, yeah. and uh, getting you involved in it. But this was before the, what you guys would refer to as the cabin kids, uh, participating in it and i guess Free contact of, i think they call it anthropologically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then obviously the cabin kids era um where really it was you guys coming out and our group of friends uh has been has been discussed on this show and even though that's two kind of different eras uh for me it was all kind of just the cabin because i was going out there and just like I said, hanging out and being with friends and other people and <clears throat> partying just not too hard and uh, just really in, enjoying it. I, I guess I viewed it as a thing. You know, I, I kind of understood it was a significant thing that we had this and I certainly valued it. Um, but just for what it was, it was for a chance to go out on a Friday or every Friday night and uh, and hang out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly 
um, understand that perspective. Uh, what a lot of the things I think we may, may talk about on this podcast in reference to the cabin is with, well, now over 20 years, frankly, of perspective in between the cabin being built in 1997 and then us having that time there and then realizing the impact, you know, whether it's uh, Dave talking about how it impacted his kind of musical um, endeavors going forward or trying to kind of recreate some of those feelings he had or Palmer talking about the various circles he's established since then. So I think we've had 20 years of, you know, life to reflect on it. And that, that's why the question I'm always curious if you didn't have the hindsight and we'll get to the hindsight, you know, I think a little later, but during the time, did it seem um, special or unique or was it just another avenue to do what people do? Um, so um, uh, I, I appreciate your perspective. Yeah. I remember it really being a really thinking it was a cool thing at the time. And I remember asking Palmer, I think several times before we were able to work out the logistics saying, Hey man, you got to come out here. You know, I'd really like you to come hang out uh, with me and these other at the time, really other three guys. Yeah. Like, you know, Hey, I think you'd really like it. This is a great time. Come on out. And then I, I remember kind of being excited to introduce it uh, to Palmer specifically, like, Hey man, this is going to be awesome. And it really was. I remember the, those, um, those couple times before it would, it was like the cabin kid era. It was so intimate and just like, we just like stayed up all night and just like, I remember so we talked so much philosophy, which was so awesome. Well, what, what we thought was philosophy. At the <clears throat> well, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, as far as like a bunch of 17 year old uh, eggheads can talk about philosophy, right? Yeah. From small town, Ritman, Ohio. From small town, Ritman, Ohio. Uh, and then there was the time that this freaked my shit out was that time that the one founder's cousin's mom showed up like had been outside listening to us talk for like god knows how long and then she like came in to get her son and was like it's time you should go we think you should go home with us now oh man that just freaked my shit out yeah and I, I remember that night well and i will i will gladly share more details off air to protect the innocent oh sure no, oh, no. that's Share as, uh, share as many details as you can without <laughs> saying names. Yeah, I um, want to know. <laughs> as much as you pop, I mean, come, you know, obviously or, it's up to your comfort level. We're not up to pushing people into sharing things they don't want to share. But um, just consider that there's like three people that listen to the podcast and then go from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I believe it was just probably the four founding members, uh, Palmer, and this uh, cousin, who was Twinkie's cousin. Oh um, yeah, mm -hmm. we were that's up. right. And he was yeah. like, was he older than us? He was older. He was a couple of years older. Probably like yeah. four or five years, like right. substantially for being it was sixteen and seventeen year olds. You know, when the person with you is in their early to mid twenties. Yeah. And, and relevant to this story, he was old enough to procure adult beverages. Right. And this Which was are, one of. Yeah, th that was like one of the few times that I drank adult beverages out there. Right. Yeah, exactly. It was one of the 
the few occasions. Uh, so we were out there, all out there chilling, uh, as Palmer has said before, uh, using a lot of blue language as part of our normal conversation. And, you know, just yeah. being guys out there chatting, having our, I believe it was old Milwaukee. Oh yeah. I recall it was, it was yeah. some fantastic, uh, variety <laughs> uh, that he had procured for us. But yeah. We're all sitting there and it was winter as well. So we were all, that's why we we're all inside instead of around the fire. Right. Cold outs. We're all bundled up inside with the stove going nice and toasty. And, uh, yeah, there's this, the door just kind of opens and there's, uh, Twinkie's aunt and his uncle in the background. Oh, and that was the fastest to this, to this day. This is the fastest I have ever seen, uh, six cans of alcohol disappear between people's legs and other sundry (laughs) hiding places. As soon as that noise hit our ears, everything disappeared. Now, Uh, of course, minus the cardboard box still (laughs) on the old kitchen table right next to the front door. Right. Uh, But luckily the lighting was such it wasn't apparent that that was there. Uh, Oh, man. Yeah, as as was said, uh, he was asked to return home with his parents. And he did. There was no fuss or anything, as as I remember. Yeah, Uh, no. They they went away and... We all we were all kind of, or at least I certainly was. You know, the adrenaline hit after that pass. I'm like, oh shit, man! Did we just get away with that? Yeah. <laughs> the oh. come back out. We we finish them and kind of carried on with our night after the initial shock. And at least I, you know, I kind of expected to hear more about it uh, on account of all the connections involved. Uh, with family and whatnot. Uh, but Twinkie, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember really any blowback coming on us. At least none came back to me. No, I, uh, I remember getting in trouble for a variety of things, uh, but I don't re- involving the cabin, but I don't recall that being an issue. <laughs> <laughs> what did you get in trouble for? Like, so you were like, there one was, of the, you were like just such a well-behaved like gentleman of a kid yeah well i don't know if you remember this but we had planned to do kind of like a, it was like a fall party or like a halloween party or something and we we put like candle like uh torches up the path yeah um not to be confused with the uh, white supremacist using similar right. torches oh lord we did Actually, not do that. i thought you were going to mention the time w- when we had the cabin concert because that's that's one of my most vivid memories of that evening was how the path was lit with those torches yeah. like the tiki tiki torches you stuck in the ground yeah oh man I didn't, right the other thing didn't even occur to me so sorry yeah and so we had, well, we had done that and then at some point there was uh, uh, either there were people who were planning it without telling me which could have certainly been the case or or just rumors had gotten started that there was going to be alcohol up there out out at that party and my mom got called up to the high school now i don't know if it was oh, through man. like the guidance counselor or who exactly found out it had been um a member of our church was the guidance counselor at the time and so i'm uh, there must have been some connection there and i remember getting called out of class and you know, my mom is like in the cafeteria slash 
rec room slash theater area there in the high school, old high school, um, like crying and, you know, that I had, I was planning some sort of like, you know, orgy at the, uh, oh, geez. The cabin. Um, you know, and, and I, I certainly wasn't without, you know, my attempts at, at some levels of skullduggery, but it certainly, I wasn't like dumb enough to be advertising like a kegger at the cabin, you know, for Halloween. Um, I have my moments of stupidity, but I like to think that I knew enough to avoid that. But yeah, so I get, did get like, th- there was issues, but I don't remember any blowback from that, you know? Um, no, no trouble that I'm aware of came from it, which they're probably more concerned about whatever my cousin who, <laughs> frankly, over the last 20 years hasn't really improved uh, <laughs> his life. Um, and so, shame. yeah, they were probably more concerned about them at the time than us. And maybe we were able to stash the cans and, uh, get away with it, or maybe they just were so focused on getting him and getting out that the rest of it was, you know, whatever. Or maybe they told me I just blamed it on Palmer. Uh, Who knows? You know, listen, I was the heathen. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, uh, that is totally understandable. I mean, honestly, the, like, why? Why have a heathen in your group, right? <laughs> yeah, you're gonna carry the load, man. Right. Right. No, that leads totally. into one of the not not sequentially of the questions, but I'll ask I'll ask one based on that. Yeah. Um, for for Steiner, of course. Um, did the cabin help shape any political, social, or religious views for you? Uh, in a word, no. Um, I don't mean that to to belittle it by any stretch, because the discussions we had had out there were very very interesting and enjoyable. Uh. I remember the philosophical discussions uh, Palmer uh, was talking about uh, among the small group of us uh, in, in sort of the pre-cabin kids era. And I remember we would get into what we thought at the time was quite deep. Um, we got And we were tooling around with like epistemology and morality and uh, some other high philosophy kind of stuff. Uh, but I distinctly remember uh, discussing religion at one point. And by then I had kind of already made up my mind and espoused, uh, as, as, a, as I recall it, kind of a, a hard atheism, uh, which was a, a shock to some of the other guys uh, because we were all raised in the church, or at least I think it was a shock. Uh, and we had a, a good discussion about that. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know if... Uh, any of the interactions really changed me after that. Um, and I, I, and I do feel bad kind of saying that so those are teenage years. It was supposed to be the most formative years. So I, I don't want to, Oh no, you shouldn't off, come off as if I was, you know, perfect in my opinions and have been rock solid ever since. But no, I, no, I guess no, I no. kind of remember going in as a, here's what I think. And I'm going to spout it at will because we're in this setting. And, uh, you guys, yeah. you guys get to listen. Yeah. So let me let me follow up with that real quick, then, uh, or not real quick. We don't do anything quick here, but um, <laughs> <laughs> purposely so. Uh, Palmer and Dave, I love you guys for this. By the way, we love you Thank too. Thank you buddy. so much for for doing yeah. the work to put this together. It it really warms me 
to be able to have these conversations. Love you um, too, buddy. We, we talked a little bit, I don't know if you remember, uh, Steiner, from some of the podcasts about having a space at which you could at least talk about things that maybe you weren't comfortable talking about. Uh, the, the concept of a safe space is derided quite a bit nowadays in you know certain circles, and the idea of it is somewhat ridiculous. But um, did, did it feel more comfortable? Did, did you feel the opportunity at least that you could talk about some of those things or share your opinions um, because of that kind of space that was created or was it more just about the people you were around or uh, would that none of that would have mattered and you would have been pretty, pretty okay talking about it no matter what? No, it was, it would have definitely been the people. Uh, I wouldn't then and probably now I wouldn't have been up one to open up on those kinds of just topics uh, just freely. Uh, the fact that it was uh, really my my good buddies, my best friends that were all out there at the time, you know, that certainly makes it easier to get into that kind of talk. In that setting, being away from parents, like we didn't have to worry about being eavesdropped on, uh, Twinkie's aunt and uncle accepted. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I actually wouldn't be surprised if we had been uh, spied upon at other times. Um, uh, but that was a place where we could speak freely and not really worry about it. Any of our other settings, uh, at home or at school or, you know, it, not that we'd ever discuss these things at church, but, you know, in, in the common gathering points, you know, there's always the chance of being overheard or uh, having somebody else be be present. But out at the cabin, we were really free to speak our minds, which which is a really valuable thing. Awesome. Um, what, um, when you think of the cabin now, like, what does, what do you think of? Like, what, what kind of feelings do you get? Or are there any memories that you have from the cabin that keep coming up that you keep coming back to when it pops up into your head or, um, anything like that? So one of the things is having that, just that standing Friday date, you know, that, Hey, we know where everybody's going to be. We're all going to be out at the cabin. I don't need to talk to anybody. I can just roll on out there uh, whenever I feel like it, you know, early, late in between. And I know that my friends will be there and I'll have a good Friday evening uh, hanging out with them. And it was really just that kind of a cohesion or a, the real social focus, I guess, uh, of that time. And you guys have talked before about do other people have their cabins? And to me, that's kind of what what that means is, did you have that ability to, on the regular, really get to hang out with friends and have, have a shared space where you could uh, really enjoy each other's company? Yeah. That's awesome. That it and it definitely, I know what you mean because it was it took that like pressure of. I feel like, you know, when I was teaching, watching kids, like there's a lot of that social pressure of like, I feel like I should be doing something because it is like kids are conscious of the fact that they are in this like time period of social interactions, you know, 
where that's like the main, that's really all they have to do. Right. And, uh, it, it kind of was this like pressure release valve to know that that was always there. Like you never had to worry about what, where your next social interaction was going to come. That was a free space away from your parents and all that crap. Yeah. The thing that just kind of came to me, the, the feeling at, of being out of the cabin is really a lot the same as walking into my, walking into my regular bar on a Friday night, uh, being able to go in and just, not call anybody, not see if anybody was going to be around, just walk in and know that around that bar, I'm going to see, you know, half a dozen people I know and right. be able to have a conversation and have a social interaction in that setting uh, without really worrying about it. And the, uh, and the cabin was that, what was that for us as kids? That's awesome. Do you have a regular bar like that? <laughs> I'm so I jealous. Sure, I, I sure did. Um, I worked very hard at uh, establishing my regular ship uh, by consuming many Miller lights. Uh, <laughs> and that's another story, I guess. Oh, please do tell. I'm so, no, no, I no. am so interested in that. Like that. I mean, I, I understand that idea. Obviously you see that idea perpetuated for decades and decades of American films. Mm-hmm. And I one for one period of my life did with live within walking distance of a bunch of different bars. I just never, Never did that. I definitely see the correlation between the sort of regularity of the cabin. So I don't know, just that would be a very interesting thing for me to know about <laughs> how one and, works hard to establish their regularity <laughs> and then enjoys the uh, fruits of that labor. Uh, and that, uh, as Palmer has said before, that was really another cabin for me um, with that group of friends and in that setting and that place. Um, and I'm, uh, we we can get back to that topic, I'm sure, uh, as we go along here. I'm writing um, it down. <laughs> I gotta know. <laughs> uh, but to spoil the whole thing, uh, that era also ended, uh, just like the cabin era ended uh, when the the owners decided to shut down the place uh, about oh, two oh, years ago. Son yeah. of a bitch! So, so it's just kind of a history no. repeating itself, if you will. Did it happen the same way? Like you just went in, like everything was normal, and then they just like looked at you and were like, "Hey, by the way, tonight's the last night that we're doing this." <laughs> no, there was a there was a long, long decline. Um, All right, and we we did have the chance, at least in this instance, to have the final evening uh, for those interested to kind of close it out with style. Good deal. Good deal. Um, were there any specific like events at the cabin that I know we touched on like the, we've talked about the cabin concert before. Um, and, and you've talked about, we've talked about the, like the pre cabin kid days a little bit. Uh, were there any other events that stick out in your mind when you think about the cabin? Uh, a short one that certainly probably isn't what you're looking for. Oh no, I'm not uh, fishing. But I'm, I'm just. Curious. That this sounds even better. That that so that one, perks my ears right up when yeah, he's I'm like, doing, oh, "You're not going to like this." A bad job of setting expectations here. Yeah, not that exciting. Uh, I remember after the after the closing of the cabin, uh, Twinkie and I went back there to kind of clean up a little bit and reclaim some belongings. 
And I believe it had probably sat unused for uh, a few weeks, uh, maybe a month or two. And so we went back and started going through things. And in the cabin, there was the loft upstairs. Um, there's, you know, the main downstairs with the wood stove and the couch and some chairs and the kitchen table. And then there was a ladder on the back wall to go upstairs to the loft where there's room for who knows how many sleeping bags to roll out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that many. Hey. That many right there. Yeah. So we crawled up there and there's a big pile of blankets and we're just like, all right, well, let's get to work. And one of us said, maybe me, I don't remember exactly, grabbed this pile of blankets and kind of flung it, you know, see what was underneath. And all of these black and white specks just scatter over everything. And then they start moving. Oh, and what? I think Twinkie got the worst of it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but as we whipped that open, there was a giant ant's nest. A bunch of ants had got in there. Oh. Just set up camp among all these blankets. And we, of course, being kids, freaked a little bit. Hell yeah, I'd freak right now <laughs> if that happened to me. I uh, ran downstairs and considered our options. I believe torching the entire place yes. was one of Burning the primary options. <laughs> Burning it to the ground. Yes. That was Your it. move, Ants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but after a bit more consideration, I think we uh, finally settled upon I don't know, donning hazmat suits or something and pulling those blankets down. And I believe we pitched all that on a, on a fire outside. Well, that's, that was certainly the kind of thing that stuck with me afterwards. It's just that shock of what, man, there's a lot of salt and pepper in here. Oh, no, that's that's not what oh, that is at all. That's terrifying. Uh, but there are other much other memories. Um, another thing I remember that was probably in the pre-cabin kids era was there was a fellow that rented the house uh, there at the farm on the cabin. So the, as you guys remember, the cabin was back in the woods in this cow pasture, and there was a full, if old and fairly dilapidated farmstead right there yep. uh, with a large barn and a corn crib that was over a time at our cabin. The corn crib went from standing to completely on the ground. Uh, but there was a farmhouse there and a fellow who rented it. And one evening we went out kind of early. The sun was up in the summer. And this fellow was out grilling and two or three or four of us founders were out there and we talked to him and he says, Hey, come on over. I got some, got some food on. And he gave us these burgers, which were black bear, venison and bison, with maybe just a little bit of beef in it. Whoa. And to this day, that was just about the best burger I've ever had. It was had awesome. so much flavor and it was juicy. It was great uh, that this guy hooked us up with it. And then after that, he said, oh, I'm, I'm going to light the fire. I'm like, okay, because we had seen him do this before. So we start walking up the cabin uh, along the edge of the woods. And as we got down a little ways, we heard the usual foom and see the mushroom cloud rise above the trees of who knows how many gallons of gasoline he had dumped on the pile to get it started. Awesome. 
Whoa! <laughs> I can't believe that you guys actually interacted with that guy. That guy was always like kind of a myth to me. Like, yeah, and like to, to I knew extent, he was there, but never saw him. Yeah, in the Cabin Kids era, I don't remember if he was even there. Um, certainly in the early days, he was, and somehow he did not complain or raise a stink about the amount of traffic that was going back there some nights. Oh yeah. Which kind of makes me think he may, he may not have been around. He may still have been a living there, but he definitely wasn't around on Friday nights. He probably had his own uh, social engagements to attend to. Yeah. What was that guy's name? Was it Dave? I believe it was Dave. That sounds right. Dave, some, I can't remember his last name now. But no, yeah. I couldn't tell you. Surprised I actually remember his first name. I remember going out there another time, and he had a a target deer. You know, one of those styrofoam model deers about 200 yards up the driveway. Because the drive back to, of course, the drive back to the farm was quite a, quite a long ways. And so we see the deer out in the, in the cornfield in front of the house. And we get back and he had his rifle all screwed into the, uh, into the holder and was sighting in his rifle out there because he was a pretty big hunter. It's like, well, thank you for not shooting at us as we came in, but show yeah, us how sure. it works now. Yeah. <laughs> how close is it? Hence the the beer buffalo bear. Yeah. What they, the bear buffalo bison goat burger. Goat no, burger. I yeah. there was goat in it. Who knows what all was in that thing, but it was tasty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking a goat boy, like the goat boy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that made me think too how, for some reason, back in those days, that was a nickname of Logan's, like something about goat. Do you guys remember that vaguely? I do remember that. What was that even from? I don't know. <laughs> I imagine somehow maybe his family raised goats. At their uh, yes. Oh. Yes. Like the take to the fair and stuff. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. That's right. I don't remember. If it probably wasn't Logan. It's probably his. His younger brother, I think they even had a little sister that maybe it was hers. Yeah, because in the in the Steve commentary, the so Logan for listeners who aren't part of this group, I was uh, Logan's another cabin kid, and he and I were in a band together called Steve, and we made a documentary. And on the commentary for said documentary, <laughs> there's a point where, where Logan is just hammered, like he got really drunk and threw up. Uh, we we all the. I made I put together this film of us like from I think uh, era two thousand just shortly after the cabin days, and uh, yeah, so we're all watching it together. There's five of us, and I think Larry, who we also spoke about speak about in the cabin, was moderating, and then Moto, my brother, our was who's a sort of sound wizard, was running the controls, and Logan was just getting hammered, <laughs> and because he was about to start a a new career and like a kind of an intense one. And uh, so he, he felt, I think, in some ways, like this was a bit of a last hurrah, at least with this group of guys. Uh, and at some point, he's just like, there's video of it, too. We had a camera in the corner. He's just kind of like, I think he falls over on Jacko's shoulder. And uh, <laughs> he was just like, barely there. And he just proclaimed out of nowhere, I raise goats! <laughs> 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 oh, so Logan. 
<laughs> so it was amazing. Like we don't know the internal monologue that got him there, but now we have, perhaps have a little bit more insight into uh, more more from what Steiner shared. But I, I want to throw that right in there. Why his nickname back in the day might have something to do with goats. <laughs> Until he comes on the podcast and explains clearly why he oh, got wouldn't the that name. be something? Goat boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, happening. Please, Logan. <laughs> come on. You've been uh, summoned, Logan. Yeah, come on, yes. Logan. If you say his name more than what three times, that's maybe, right. We, say, we summon him three times, and that's it. Yep. It's funny. I was on this back porch one time with another cabin kid. I think Crams, and we were talking like this, but not being recorded. Somehow or other, out of the blue, Logan like calls my phone through Facebook Messenger. I didn't even know this was possible. And he's sitting in his like. Uh, well, he's sitting in, he was at work basically, and he had a moment to call us and like we we saw him. <laughs> so, so I think there's something to that. I don't know. Um, Logan, if you're listening somehow live on YouTube right now, <laughs> uh, we'll send you a link. All if you, you need is like iPhone head, viewers, headset. Logan. Motherfucker. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. Well, let's get back to these. Uh, I know we've touched on a lot of these questions organically, um, but, uh, I'm looking at one here. Uh, Steiner, what kind of effects do your experiences at the cabin have on you as you have continued on your own path? Hmm. Hmm. I'm sure it was formative, you know, having all those friends around. But I don't know if I could tease out, you know, any concrete effect it would have had. And that may be part of, uh, let's say, the path I went down uh, immediately following the Cabin Kids era, um, which was certainly a a, a different thing. Um, yeah, that that's a tough question. I don't know if I can answer it at least framed like that. Maybe as we continue on, we'll we'll hit upon something. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I think, uh, I think, I think those are the actual scripted questions. Um, oh, wait, no. Do you gosh. find it? Do you find it easier to reconnect with cabin kids oh. after a period of time? Like, um, we we touched on it pretty early on in these episodes of the show. Just how, like, you know, David and I went like five years without talking, and then picked almost like picked right back up. Do you find that that's the case with other cabin kids? Uh, I imagine it to be, um, as, as we said earlier, it's been a couple of years since I, uh, talked to Dave and Palmer. It's been damn near 10 years since we've chatted. Yeah. Jesus. Um, and I, I hope that we're having a, a, a nice smooth conversation here. <laughs> Absolutely. Hopefully that's coming through to everybody. Uh, but Twinkie <laughs> and I have actually talked about this in the past about how we can go six, 12 months, you know, uh, without saying anything, without sending a message or anything. But when we do reconnect, it's just back to the races. You know, it's, we're able to pick right up and, and go like, kind of like we used to. Yeah. Uh, but I wonder if that's a special case because, you know, you get, you were guys who I've kept in touch with and to greater or lesser degrees and guys who have had uh, strong relationships when we were younger. I don't know if, uh, 
if I ran into some of the other cabin kids, if, if that would be the same. I imagine we'd have plenty to talk about. I imagine we'd get along, but I, I kind of wonder if, the, or I, I expect that the relationships we formed back then as individuals was more important than than the group dynamic, or at least it certainly was for me. Okay, that's fair. Answer as good as yeah. someone who so awesome to get oh, it. So, ahead, you sorry. guys are so right, like to get like the different perspectives and insights, like angles on some of this stuff. I love doing these cabin kid like discussions. Well, I remember, I mean, I for one has had, I know I've talked about it on this uh podcast before and stuff. I think I was aware at the time of the of the, you remember Palmer, you were saying earlier about kids knowing that they should be socializing because they were young, etc. Right. And I didn't do much of that. I was uh, then still in, engaged in a lot of the same thing I am now, which is like making these like projects, which may or may not be, you know, worthwhile <laughs> use of <laughs> use of my time, but nonetheless are very preoccupying. And so to have a social outlet and then to have it be this kind of special one, like we're talking about, I was very hyper aware of that at the time and uh, valued it quite a bit and made a point of like making documentaries about it even then. (laughs) So, so um, I was aware of that to a very high degree. Um, But uh, it's interesting, of course, then to have this other perspective of people had different, you know, experiences of the same events and stuff. But I, I can remember even then that uh, Steiner had a Steiner. You had sorry, you're here. <laughs> a uh, um, more of an objective kind of view of things. We heard from from Pumps in his his Cabin Kids episode how he was uh, very aware of us as kind of outsiders coming in, taking over this space. Um, and then uh, I think I, I'm, sure, I'm sure I've talked at some point about um, when we were making this photographic archive of like so a bunch of cabin kids jacko crams palmer everybody i was taking video these guys were taking photos and before everybody sort of diverged their paths and have had how often happens when you're in your late teens early 20s we kind of got together you know the day after the cabin concert that was like the last time we could all sort of be there and started to compile this physical book that we made at like kinkos of photographs and stuff and so i have this specific memory of uh and I think there's some video of it of of, uh, of Steiner there, um, and he was he was you know he's part of the group certainly we're all friends and stuff but he was I think he was a little I think you were a little like kind of caught off guard or able to like cognize cognize is that a word I'm making it a word cognize in the moment that is a bit odd right like, or a bit kind of. Uh, conceited or, or whatever things i can easily see now but didn't see then so i don't know that's a big long wind up for i don't know what but i guess i'm just wondering as as one of the people that were there supervising one of the founding four all of that what your views were on this you, you refer to it too as like these kind of two different eras that what sort of became of the ritual what you know the word group has been thrown about that's also at the time was kind of capitalized by some people <laughs> like capital t capital g the group people were graduating inviting the group to uh, parties anyhow so i don't know, say on that what you're willing to <laughs> uh, explore yeah i guess 
my perspective of the dynamic was that, you know, I was in the, in the younger class, uh, Palmer and I were a year behind the, the main cohort of the group. And I, you know, in Ritman being the size it is, we, we knew everybody, you know, you know, everybody by name and you know who they are, but you don't necessarily hang out. And so there's always a, for me, especially at the beginning, a bit of an outsider dynamic uh, where there's this group of people who are, who appeared to me at least to already be a cohesive group of friends coming in. And we, uh, I, I guess that always kind of persisted for me. Like I felt that, that there, there was, there was the main cohort and I was just kind of tagging along and, I don't mean that uh, negatively. It's not like I wasn't accepted by any stretch or that I didn't participate in anything by any stretch. But uh, from my perspective, it was always kind of kind of on the outside. And maybe that's part of uh, my perspective here that um, the pre and post era and the, and the reliance upon the personal relationships um, as, as individuals. Uh, I feel like I kind of rambled there, but hopefully the <laughs> that's the most concise answer I've, I've I've never given a, such a short answer. So that's that doesn't count. I feel like you haven't even answered it. But all right, <laughs> <laughs> the question was literally longer than that answer. Oh my god, the question was twenty five minutes. I couldn't. I don't even know what I asked, but I wasn't <laughs> answering. <it. laughs> It's especially interesting to me as someone who does talk a lot and basically thinks aloud to, um, so I'm always wondering what's going on in the minds of people who are able to keep their mouths shut. <laughs> and there he is. <laughs> that was the best answer, I think. Yeah. 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 There, there was always certainly a, and I imagine this was probably true in the wider uh, community, you know, of, of the school and of the, the general populace there, I guess, that we definitely were a, a group, you know, we were uh, a group of friends, probably among many that existed in the school, and that we were the ones that did this thing, that we were the ones that went out to this cabin, uh, and eventually, you know, ended up hanging out quite a bit there. Um so, so I think there definitely was a, an idea of a group to it. Remember Palm, or Pumps was, um, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Twink. Well, I was just going to say, you know, and I don't want to fast forward through Dave's question. So Dave, in the, in the timeline of this question, yours makes more sense. Let's go with yours first. But within the concept of a group, I think, comes the notion, or at least in our case, the reality that groups disband much like your bar um you know that era ended and you know you're kind of sent out looking for something different um hopefully with a set of experiences behind you or um positive and negative but experiences that guide that process a little bit you know or are somewhat formative, but I'd, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on why the cabin 
beyond the technicalities, you know, we all went off to college, blah, 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 blah. We, I know that happened, but was there anything else about the cabin? Would, would the cabin have ended anyway? Were there, were there other things about it that would have had it kind of uh, fade away? So a, a trite answer is that all things change and that, yes, it would have eventually faded away. A uh, longer answer is, uh, one longer answer is that I think in the, in the head founder's mind, uh, this was going to be a finite thing. And despite the actual sequence of events or factors that led to its, uh, its closing, I think it would have, it would have ended in probably the same time frame. Maybe it lasted that, that final summer of what would have been 99 say, but I, I couldn't looking back on it. I don't think it would have continued on after that, uh, regardless of circumstance. Um, as it turned out in the, in the actuality of things, it wasn't at all surprising. And it's, uh, as you guys have said before, even that, the, the group, the Cabin Kids group, really would be the villains in the story of the uh, of the two two other founders who are not present here. One hundred percent. Yeah, and that's and, and that's really by no one. I, I don't want to assign blame per se, but you know that's just how it how it turned out. Yeah, and, and that's the 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 second founder definitely. Uh, he kind of just gave up on it on his own volition well before uh, the, the official end. Yeah. And, and so <clears throat> I hope that answered your question, Twinkie. I, I, no, it would have ended in that time frame, anyways, just based on uh, the lead founder's position and, and how things were going for him. I think he would have moved on. And as he was the really the linchpin he was the access to the to the physical location uh, that it would have came to pass at some point or another that we wouldn't have that it would have ended. Yeah, and and I um, you know I tried to be somewhat vague purposely, of course, but I, I I think that in my mind, you know, obviously when you have someone who's you're building, you're you're going to this thing as somebody else's land, you're you can only do it as long as the person is interested in letting you get on their property. So there's certainly this right. Um, logistical and physical limitation that's in place, but you know, from for Dave and for Palmer, it's probably kind of hard to imagine how foreign their um, ideas and their uh, the the music they brought and the the viewpoints they brought. And, uh, you know, kind of the culture that they brought to the cabin, when you reference that and you, you put it in parallel with the restrictive and very um, conservative is honestly too light of a word um, way that, that these two guys would have been raised. And so I, I certainly think that, that they didn't quite view it um, – as changing as rapidly as it did, 
I don't think they, I don't, it wasn't that they didn't want people, other people to enjoy it. I just don't know if they necessarily understood the, the rep, rapid changes that it would take place or that people would end up running naked through their pastures or that <laughs> sure. weekly excursions to the, to the, the sawing or sand and gravel pit would happen or, you know, those types of things, which, um, would be very, you know, cars parked in the like barn yeah. driveway, like, or like you know, Pearl Jam. Week. Pearl Jam was was something that was so foreign to any of those people; it was beyond reach. You know what I mean? It's very common and well known to virtually everyone else. Or even Steiner and I would have been very comfortable with a known Pearl Jam, but to them, it was just completely foreign. And um, and I think this goes back to the to the purpose of the camera, or our intentions uh, when we build it. And for those two guys, I, I really believe that that escape and having their own space was really the driver. Sure. And, you know, yeah, it'd be cool to have chicks out there. You know, I don't think we would have objected to that. Chicks, um, man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but it really was their their sanctuary and their place. And when, when that started to change, you know, that was, I, I think it was rough on them because things, it wasn't what they wanted. It wasn't their place anymore. It had become, yeah, it sort of now belonged to a, a wider group in a sense, or at least the atmosphere had been taken over. Or, um, the environment had been changed. It's like a Frankenstein story, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> they, like, they made a monster. Yeah, that uh, they couldn't control. Yeah, and they yeah. were certainly, they were certainly on board uh, with inviting folks out. You know, as I yeah. said in the pre-cabin kids era, you know, they were inviting their friends out, and there was a, a, a small group of regulars, a pair of brothers I remember in particular who used to like to come out and have their case of bush light and. Talk about being sober as a turtle, if I recall the phrase correctly. But man, I just don't remember that at all. I'm vaguely, <laughs> I'm vaguely remembering that. I'm wow. trying to bring That's it impressive. back. But. Um, but so, so the two founders really did want to have you know a good time and invite people out, and it just kind of, it kind of got away from them. You know, I guess as things yeah. would, you know, as you can see parallels and you know, internet communities at a much larger scale where you have that tight knit group of people who are in on the ground floor and things are really great and you want to share it with people and the people that come in, you're having a good time. And then the next thing you know, the word is out and a bunch of people come in and you realize that what you created is, is different now. Yeah. And has changed. It, it It's like, in, uh, of course, like the hindsight of age, you like there's half of my brain that is like, I wish I would have been more cognizant and sensitive to that back then. But then the other half of my like the selfish half of my brain is like, but would you have had the same experience and gotten what you got out of it if it would have been anything less than what it was? You know, um, I, I want though, I would, I, I would though, given the opportunity, I think there, I would have tried 
done what I could have in my part to have incorporated those other two founders like more in those in those things um i, I will not say just to extend like the the life of the cabin just the it really 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 bothers me knowing what i got from the cabin that there were at least two people that had if anything the complete and utter opposite effect um on them palmer if i can well, attempt to speak to it. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't think it's coincidence that the other two people we're referring to are members of the church that that Steiner and I, and of course the other two, grew up in. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the sense that they embraced some ideals and some viewpoints that. Um, the four of us probably do not embrace. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that their worldviews, whether they just weren't at a point where they were interested in changing or they didn't care about changing or they didn't want to change or, or it just the other pieces of their life outside of this cabin, you know, the other six and a half days a week or whatever it was certainly held more impact um i would just while i understand you know sir i don't i don't just i don't think it was anybody's intent to monopolize anything i remember oh, there were some yeah. conflicts there were some yeah. conflicts in usage and um there was some disagreements about how the space should be used and um especially but how, towards, might, how might their viewpoints the be different though if they would have had a similar experience with the cabin that we had, you know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's part of my regret is like, sure. Having a more inclusive outlook and, and, and trying to welcome them in. I just think that it would have been challenging because you would have, you wouldn't have had the same experience that you um, had. You wouldn't be sitting around the campfire or running naked through the, the pastures or whatever, you know, all, all the kind of um, experiences that are kind of silly, but do represent a certain sense of safety and confidence in each other. I think those experiences would have been different simply because I don't think they would have had that level of connection with you or with Dave or with uh, even myself, you know. Um, but Twinkie, I would maybe disagree a little bit um that their upbringing had as much impact in in this particular situation as as you're saying uh to me just the the group dynamic itself kind of explains it like i, I i'm thinking of a of a hypothetical uh universe part of palmer's multiverse of all things <laughs> oh, uh, but imagine a group of to greatly oversimplify a group of you know TV and and music nerd or TV and movie nerds who had uh, you know a a garage at their parents' house where they always went out and watched movies every Friday night and then listened to their music and their you know their Pearl Jam and their U two and whatnot and had their own little group and it was a really cool place away from from their parents and their own space to do their own thing. And 
And then as time went on, they invited in more people and eventually through connections, this group of rednecks and cowboys came in uh, wearing their tight Justin jeans and their ball caps and their flannel shirts. And whenever that group came in, they came in and started playing country music and, and dancing around and yelling yeehaw, you know, that if you can put yourself in that position, that's, that's essentially what happened was just another culture came in that not yeah. so much the religious aspect. It's just, hey, this, this, this isn't my, this isn't my bag, you know, you know, they, they kind of just got taken over by another group, I guess. Yeah, That's exactly how I always thought it was. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. No, I, I didn't realize that then, but that, right. but once I was old enough or had enough distance later, that's a that's about as perfectly as I th- as it could be put from my perspective as well, being one of those YouTube Pearl Jam fans that came in. Yeah, yeah. and I I don't think to to you know they realize quite like for example with me who who they they may not necessarily realize who they were. Well, to use one of their phrases, probably uh, the kind of cart they were hitching their horse to, um, in the sense that you know I probably was going through some transformative parts of my life um wasn't necessarily just ready to settle down with the same old same old and um you know had a variety of different friends and uh, was good with all of that stuff you know kind of interested in seeing how people were and enjoying um that spontaneity that i felt and some of those things so you know, we all had our viewpoints for what we wanted to have done. And as Steiner's indicating, we just kind of won by numbers, <laughs> not by, you know, in, in, intent, but. So I actually have um, not, it's not exactly a follow-up, but, I, but where, where the conversation kind of was going was, was something I was trying to get at earlier, which I still don't have the greatest way of asking about, but um, I guess I was kind of curious. I, I, I'm interested to know more from a different perspective of the non YouTube Pearl Jam camp <laughs> or someone that knew both pre- certainly better than I did. Um, what that, uh, I don't know. Were you aware of that at the time? Like, like Palms, did you see that happening with that kind of outsider's perspective and kind of hesitant, like, uh, cause you were, I feels to me like you were part of both camps, Part you were saying pre, pre-cabin kids and post or whatever um you certainly count yourself among both right yeah I, I definitely you know floated between the two and was participatory in both groups um i don't know if i was cognizant of it at the time as you know we've we've probably over characterized it as a takeover here tonight but you know i wasn't cognizant of it as a takeover at the time uh, when the end came, uh, when the when the lead founder kind of said, "Enough is enough, no more," uh, and shut it down, it it didn't come as a surprise, I guess. Well, I, I understood his reasons, and at that time, I was able to see it. But I, I, I don't think I knew at the time, and well, I was probably a fairly naive and oblivious kid a lot of the times back then, anyways. So my perspective may not have been the, the best in terms of the group dynamic there. It didn't seem like that to me. Like, <laughs> okay. Well, 
<laughs> what about what about do you remember the book thing that I'm talking about? I mean, just in terms of like a contrast to a oblivious kid. Like I feel like uh that 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 that's not how I would have described you. I would have described you as a much more introspective and observant and uh intelligent <laughs> person than uh, you're giving yourself credit for. But but like so that you, you we're making this book, the room full of kids like basically building a monument to their youth <laughs> and you're sitting there thinking already able to be aware like this is kind of bullshit like <laughs> Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about that because I didn't remember that situation at all, honestly, and I I, I kind of feel bad about it. But so you you described the a person sitting in the corner, kind of writing and saying, "Hey, this is all egomaniacal, ego." Yeah, uh, Palmer, or, sorry, not, not Palmer. Uh, Bauman couldn't say egomaniacal. Yeah, <laughs> called e- e- what ego me? <laughs> I think Cramps had to tell him how to pronounce it. <laughs> Could you just picture Cramps being like egomaniacal? Hey, hey guys, think, hey guys, I, uh, it's egomaniacal guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet the I'm gonna tweet the clip. You'll be able to see yourself, Steiner, writing. And I think we don't talk about it in the documentary, like what you wrote, but it's it actually spurred a discussion that very succinctly Bauman says like, here's how we got to this point of being a group that could be criticized. It was kind of an interesting um, yeah, springboard. That, but anyway, was that at the hotel as you were describing or was that? Yeah. The, yeah. It was at the, uh, I, in that, Carolina. I do not, I really do not recall that. Like I, I'm trying to piece it together and I do not remember being there. I do not remember participating to the level you describe or, or any of it, which is kind of, well, you didn't speak up or anything. You, you were just sitting quietly and on your way out, I think I asked about, you know, what you wrote, if we could include it, not thinking it would be something, uh, critical, but even then, like, I wasn't bothered by it. I was like, Oh, Mm. that makes sense. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) but, uh, well, um, now that you say it like that, I totally get it. Like, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, that, is, that is exactly who we are. Like, yes. I guess I'm more wondering about, um, yeah, like the feelings that might have led you to, to write that at the time. Uh, it. I guess I, I can stand behind that sentiment. And uh, to be brutally honest about things, you know, I can still kind of see that as we go forward today you know we're here recording us talking about our our glory days which is great for us you know i'm, I'm glad we get to reminisce and, and go over it but you know there, there's still a bit of uh ego uh behind hey let's let's put this out into the world let's let's broadcast this and have other people see it or maybe that's just my perspective and I'm no, that is a running theme on this I'm... podcast. Is that we, we are in a vicious cycle of self-documentation and ego inflation. That is that is and, just what we do. And I'm acutely aware of I am here voluntarily uh, speaking with you about this. So right, right, yeah, yeah. I guess for me, while I will agree with the sentiment that it is us talking about days gone by. I'm more intrigued, um, almost like paleontologically, where I'm kind of like, where where has the past influenced me now? How has it affected me? And in what way 
can I like harness that positivity from it, the good stuff going forward? You know, we're all rapidly approaching 40, which pushes squarely at like halfway done, frankly. (laughs) 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 But, you know, I, I think I've said before, you know, where I've tried to influence the things around me for the good as much as I can. Like I fuck shit up all the time. Which, if we talk about Blade Runner, we'll talk about that. But oh, we're going to no, talk like, about Blade Runner. Yeah. Actually, you guys are. And I'm gonna step out because I haven't seen it yet. But uh, there's oh. twice I missed it. But, but I haven't that's seen it yet happen. I didn't get it. Oh, no. see it <laughs> Nor have I. So we better not talk about shit. it. Oh, well, shit. Yeah, I'm gonna at least give some high level stuff, which we'll talk about Please. just humanity in general, or what I sure. that the concept of what being human is. But but all of that being said, just you know, it's not like um um. Let's see how to how to how to build this up. So, uh, you know, looking back at high school or college, I don't necessarily view as like where it all ended for me. I just want to understand why I look at that as something that influenced me in such a large way, so that I can go forward and do that. I think I've mentioned like, um in some small way trying to influence that at work or in my small community or trying to do like Twitch streaming for video games in some way, being a somewhat positive person on the internet, which is um, semi rare these days. Um, and yeah, it takes a little bit of an ego to be a creator, right? Cause you have to believe that there is someone out there who wants to consume what you're doing. Yeah. You have to believe that what you're creating. Even if is it's just enough. your friends who do it because they love you. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, but I like to believe that it it serves a purpose other than that. And it hopefully still 10, 20 years down the line, there's, so you know, some, somebody, it's not like, a, you know, the song that, oh, it's a really popular song. Is it Mellencamp, The Summer of 69? Emma, how am I doing on that? No, Is that's that, uh, Brian Adams. Sorry, Brian, Brian Adams. Adams. Yeah, Mellencamp <laughs> Adams, whatever. 80s. No. Am no. I right? Potato, no, potato. no, no, you're not <laughs> yeah. right. That is world apart. One's Canadian, one's American, one's fucking awesome. One's yeah. not. I'm not a fan. But Which, when you when you listen to the song, "The Summer of '69," it's immensely sad. Yeah, it is an absolutely terrifying song. Those people peaked. That was it. It was over then, right? There was going to be a band, and now there isn't a band, and. And you know, there um, it's like there's nothing else to look forward to. And I don't view that as the case. I view that as a cabin as an experience that influences me and recognizes that if I am authentic in some way to the people around me, that's what my therapist tells me to use the word authentic. That if I'm authentic with the people around me, I can have those experiences because people feel that and they know when you're bullshitting them, even if they don't necessarily know it at the time, they can they understand if you're not being authentic. And so there's a this sense of authenticity that I feel from the cabin that I want to push forward in my life, that I want to surround myself with. So well, I love it. Yeah. Well as as uh, the the chief perpetrator of of the perpetuation of like the the media and putting oneself out. Oh, I thought you were gonna take the say the hostile takeover of the cabin. We were gonna Oh when this is no. a movie. You're gonna be the primary. You're gonna be <laughs> You're gonna, oh, you know man. what? I got it. Might have I got been one it. of the loudest. In, in the fifth element, you're gonna be Gary Oldman. 
Oh, always be Gary Oldman. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be Gary Oldman in the fifth element when we make the cabin movie from the perspective oh, of wow. of the other two founders. I can't wait to, for the costume, for the overacting. <laughs> like it's going to be amazing. The flashing red button. You <laughs> would ask me what that flashing red light was. At the <laughs> anyway, oh. sorry. A true oh no. Killer? <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in way too long. I haven't seen that movie since it came out. I was not as enamored of it as some. Oh. As I just remember Corey months. saying he watched it every day for like forty days. <laughs> you know what? Here's the thing: it it does have have some CGI issues, as most movies from the '90s do. But it actually does hold up surprisingly well with some of the humor and um, the costumes, some of the. Like set design There's and stuff. There's a surprising amount of practical effects in that movie. Yeah, Basan did a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, like the whole, um, the luxury yacht that they're on that they go to vacation on, mm-hmm. like that's all a miniature. Like all the external shots of that, they actually built that as a model. Yeah. Anyway, I completely derailed us to the fifth element, which is very much the nature of this podcast. But Dave, yeah, I apologize. Uh, to be applauded. I thank you for just Gary Oldman. That up. And... <laughs> yeah. Oh, All right, I'm Gary, sure. tell us the. <laughs> you don't like Beethoven. Don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Overtures like that, they my juice is flowing. <laughs> but after his openings, he does to Ken tend to get a little fucking boring <laughs> that's why i stopped no <laughs> oh, okay uh, try brahms too he's good but uh, um yeah the professional anytime all the time yeah yeah oh gosh Double D. Double D watched The Professional for the first time because of this podcast. What? Yeah. And I know he's not talking to you about things on camera like he's supposed to. I just get (laughs) random text messages from Double D, which will be the cover art from something that we've dropped a reference to. That he's like, just check this out today. (laughs) And it's like, he's a grown ass man. It's the first time he's ever seen Leon The Professional before. Like, uh, I mean, where do you even begin with that? That's incredible. I would love to experience that for the first time as an adult. Like, well, yeah, I guess it was kind of adult-ish. But yeah, I did not see that until a few years ago, like two years ago. Oh, really? Well, you can oh, tell us yeah. then. Yeah. So. I would have very conflicted feelings about Natalie Portman. But uh, the the yes. only way I get around yeah. it is if she was born the same year I was. So when yeah. she was that old when that was made, that's yeah. how old I was. So it's okay. <laughs> 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 what do you gotta do to get, go to sleep at night? That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, I, I think I've listened to the commentary. Huh? Oh, sorry. What? What'd you say? I said from from his mouth to God's ears. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amen. No. Uh, if you think that one's bad, like you have to watch Cram's Palmer's pick. Uh, all the real girls is that that is it no it's uh beautiful girls beautiful Beautiful girls girls. beautiful girls she's like even younger in that and like legit falls in love with her like 37 year old neighbor in the movie it oh man i do i oh man that makes me want to watch that movie again oh speaking of uh palmer's picks uh steiner would you be okay with us posting your palmer's picks episode on the youtube (laughs) 
Yeah, knock yourself out. Out Solieri. I know his name, Solieri. <laughs> Solieri. Solieri. Yeah. It, it, uh, it may have been, man, that was, what was it? It was Amadeus. Yeah. I want to say. That's a good movie, by the way. Yeah. Princess Bride. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I guess Empire, maybe? Empire. Like Empire Strikes Back. Oh, uh, I don't feel like we had. No, what was? Oh, oh what shit. was your third one? I guess we'll just have to tune in. Oh, well, when you right. post the Palmer's. You have to check it on, uh, <laughs> uh, on YouTube. LWSD. Are we LWSD Pod on YouTube? We should YouTube really know this. This is episode thirty-five. Well, <laughs> well, the thing with YouTube is to pull back the curtain slightly. <laughs> YouTube no longer lets you have a custom URL. Just any old person. You have to. Oh. You have to qualify in some ways, which we have not yet qualified because that's what? not where the majority of our so fucking subscribe is. people. Jesus, yes. this is your fault. <laughs> yes, we're a, big, we're a big fucking deal, guys. <laughs> yeah, we, how ego maniac. <laughs> Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> you're, on, you're on your own computer, right? On your laptop, you can go on YouTube and subscribe right now. Yeah, I, I was closer. I was uh, in Amsterdam visiting Jacko, and we, I was telling him about the podcast. And you know, I you think YouTube was up. Damn, you son of a bitch! Oh, I know. Yeah. No cake. <laughs> Who goes the fucking? When are you going to go to Amsterdam again? When? I don't know, but there's so much biking. <laughs> We're so exhausted. Palmer. You should have biked right to biking. a cake shop. That's what you should have I was, I was too busy riding a bike. Well, I, there was a lot of bike riding, a lot of activities. <laughs> we usually didn't get home till late, and a lot two nights in a row it was pouring rain. It just didn't happen. Did you? Know. Did you have like to? Perfect pouring rain sounds like the perfect opportunity to be like. You know what? Let's go into this coffee shop for the evening. Maybe he was washing his hair and it was too busy. <laughs> I'm sorry. But anyways, you were into Amsterdam. Oh, well, I subscribed him on YouTube when I was there. And he's <laughs> since listened to an episode. You listened to a live stream. I'm like, are you crazy? You listened to the It live stream. I'm like, dude, oh, yeah. that's a hell of a place to start. Zero viewers right now. Uh, like four and a half hours. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But yeah. So do go to YouTube and uh, you can check out. We can all find out what Steiner's third <laughs> Palmer's pick was. Yeah. Or um, alternatively, you can come over to my place and I'll dig out the VCR, oh. the original copy that you guys gifted me. Probably in '99 is still in the Footlocker back home, so we can dig awesome. it out and watch watch the original. Oh, Fucking that's a. awesome. I or, remember what the, the that tape. It's got a red cover, right? Exactly, exactly. Palmer, do yeah, you remember putting those together? Oh, that's the Christmas tape, right? That yeah, we put together, right? So it, the, every person got an individualized edition because it was all the stuff that they were in, right? Like exactly. 1999, we made a lot of stuff because I had started to work at the the uh, cable access center. Palmer's picks was happening. Uh, that was the year we put together the cabin documentary, which was its own tape because it was an hour and a half. We couldn't fit that on the other stuff, but there was a, we did a the Pearl Jammer in a contest where you could submit a music video for one of their songs from the album Yield, which came out in 1998. And I made, uh, that's probably an album ever. Uh, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to argue with, but I made a music video of sort I, I kind of cheated, incorporated some of their performance clips, but, uh, so I did not win. 
but my music video starred Twinkie. I, I don't believe know if he that remembers one. that. I remember that. I, I remember the driving in the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the song called MFC stood for Mini Fast Car. And uh, I basically just translated the lyrics directly. And, and one of the storylines was you working and, one, you know, everybody was free on the road in that song, as, as the rock and roll cliche goes. Yeah, yeah. But, I believe uh, that video found its way onto my vid, onto the my copy, my Christmas tape. There. Oh, really? I'm just like, well, they're friends. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Pat who doesn't out. want? Who doesn't <laughs> want more Twinkie? I was happy to have it. Who doesn't? As possible. That's right. Who doesn't want more <laughs> yeah. Twinkie? Well, I think we should post that one too. I'm posting that to the YouTube yeah. page. MFC video. <laughs> there's a there's a photograph my mom took that I have of of you and me, Palmer, putting together the cover sleeves, uh, of that. Which um, I remember that day, like or like we just came over, like I went came over to your house and we just like spent the day like putting all that crap together. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think I had just gotten a new a, a, a stereo <laughs> as yeah. well, which yeah. uh, I was unpacking at the time. And I remember the template for what we put together. The so it was like those black clamshell cases that sort of like you would get. Oh yeah, like you get from like a Hollywood video or blockbuster. I think that's where I got those case. Didn't I steal a bunch oh, of cases like right. from Hollywood yes. video for those? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. That's right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> don't ever. I should not say that. Like. Well, like, they're not a. They're long gone. <laughs> long gone. Yeah. Like. Oh man. No, I'm yeah. saying like I was gonna say I was gonna say something else, but like yeah, nope, totally like pilfered those. They were throwing them out. Anyway, right. oh, there yeah. were so many yeah. of them. Like you they sold those for like thirty five. Recycled. Cents That's right. Yeah, you were, yes, we're thinking exactly. of the environment the whole time. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think the American movie was out, so I'd seen and bought Coven on VHS from the the guy profiled in that film. Mark Borchert and Coven was essential. Uh, the, the, the that was in a clamshell case as well, but it was so obviously done like a Microsoft Word. It was not very yeah. sophisticated design at all, and it was a sort of nod, at least on my part, to uh, the back of both have like the main person in the video, like basically just like a selfie, kind of making a, I don't know, like a, a surprised face. I'm not sure. Yeah. And so Coven was Mark Borchardt and, and ours was you, which I think you took while photographing the, the WCTV Clapper Awards that year, which is like the Oscars oh, maybe. Of, the, of the, of the, uh, or the Emmys rather of King Access of and Wadsworth, Public Ohio. Access for one town. No, just for one town, not even yeah. Northeast Ohio, one town for Wadsworth. Yeah. But what's crazy, they'd rent out like one of the better restaurants in town and yeah. there'd be tons of people. There was such a bustling, uh, place that was a good a good time anyway <laughs> yeah i'm it warms my heart siren to know that you still have that that tape yeah. when you post those do you tweet them out too like from the like usually once you post yeah them on youtube yeah and, like, yeah that's awesome and i i have a i have a twitter page for the dreaming out loud sort of productions or what i don't know but basically just it really just is something for me to look back on there's no followers, I don't think, and I don't care. But it's just to sort of remember uh, dates and stuff. <laughs> remember oh, this God. for us. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, we, you know, the thing we were talking about before with the the prote- the the hubris of all of that. Um, I, I definitely at the time, 
did not think of it as an arrogance because I was a pretty shy and insecure person finding um, some confidence for the first time in this like group of people. Um, but uh, definitely over time, that's easy to understand. But I've also just, especially with this kind of older stuff that's not really important to other people, um, it comes to be a lot of what I value the most. Because in some ways, even though it's so like imitative and whatever, it was so free and, and, and unaffected. It, it, as ironic as that sounds, even though a lot of it is like imitative, you weren't, there was no, there was no real honest hubris about it. You were just kind of excited about something. So you were doing it as well. And, uh, and you had a platform to, to, uh, put it out on and sort of feel like you were a part of, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know a part of, of what, but, uh, <laughs> nowadays there's this like big library of stuff that I've been tending to that I value as much as the criterion collection of, of like the films of like the best, you know, directors and, you know, whatever of our, of our age, but like these people are, uh, everyone we're talking about and the cabin kids are, are, uh, they're shoulder to shoulder in in my mind. I understand that it's a different scale, <laughs> but the way that the, 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 not necessarily even the nostalgia, but just my affection for those people, like really right. like balances it to where, you know, pumps is one performance with Logan in a basement. <laughs> it warrants an EP that I made uh, 15 years later out of like a bad recording of it. But um, yeah, I, I wrote down, so there's two things I was trying to remember. One I wrote down myself and one was from Bruce Springsteen. It is something to do with like, in his, he was talking about being Bruce Springsteen, which is a very different thing. But essentially you need this balance of insane self-confidence and like almost debilitating uh, insecurity <laughs> uh, to be like a, a rock star or such as it were. And then the thing that I wrote down a few years ago was... Uh, that I was not, I was, I was tired. What was it? Trying to get, hmm. I think the main thing was that like, I didn't expect the things that I made, certainly in my youth, to be important to other people. But I no longer care to deny that they're important to me. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if that, what that, that speaks to. <laughs> but, uh, that, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a little fishbowl, but it's 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 a it's a fishbowl that I really only can keep in the corner of my room these days, and I'm happy to just like look over at my fish and be like, "Hi, oh, how's it going?" <laughs> and I well, smile and, and walk around, you know, and go do something else. <laughs> and now this, I mean, now it's it's growing though. It's being shared. Like that fishbowl has a purpose. That's reaching a larger audience through this podcast and through our YouTube page and Twitter and all that stuff. I mean, look at this. Like, I I haven't talked to Steiner for a decade, <laughs> and this like that like the, like bringing that fishbowl to the public like that got like that led to this conversation. It's all cyclical. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what we were doing in 1999 with that VHS. <laughs> yeah, and and I think too, I it, it, to some degree, it's enough to be able to tell the people in your life that they mean something to you, um, and that they're valuable. Because absolutely the world that we're in um, doesn't tend to value those things. Um, and so I think there is a certain amount if you're 
um, using the the past in order to propel someone forward. That's one thing versus using the past to kind of keep you lodged there. And I think, Dave, your intent in in cultivating these things isn't to relive your glory days of of the cabin, but to recognize the posit, recognize what it was, and try to evaluate what it was, and and you know, even when you shared with me the impact that I had on you in the first, you know, in the episode that we talked about it, to know that other people have an uh, an impact on you and can um help you along the way, I think is valuable. Thanks. Yeah, like we said about the past propelling yourself forward. Because I do get, sh- I get shit from all kinds of stuff. I get shit from like making new stuff, trying to put music out or whatever. Or pe- then I step back and take some time to archive this stuff. And the people that want me to make music are like, what are you fucking doing? I'm like, I'm just doing what I need to do <laughs> to try to like get by. <laughs> but I love this idea of the past propelling yourself forward because I feel like this time I've been spending digging back and and valuing this stuff. And like you say, trying to like evaluate in myself what, what it was about that time or where I was coming from that made me feel differently than I do now that I would like to sort of feel again. Um, <laughs> Steiner has a genuine cough, I think, yeah. or he might be like, this is no. too much for him. <laughs> he, he was stunned by the amount of bullshit you were spewing, I think is what it was. No, yeah. no, no, no. I'm just No, but it's... You think after this many years of drinking beer, I'd have learned how to do it properly. (laughs) (laughs) No, you never learn. That's why you got to keep doing it. Yeah. I should should practice harder then. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So I I don't want to go on too much about this, but there's this one small thing I've been thinking about recently. Um, And then, and then I know we're not going to do regular segments, but I have this, like I was going to do a Dave's digs just because uh, it caught, so I have been creating this repository, at least the music that we, that the cabin kids and myself have made. And, um, I finished the first like really satisfying, uh, like digital package of one of these things that actually was from someone that I was kind of part of maybe my second cabin, I guess. But so at dreamingoutloudrecords.com, it's basically a Bandcamp skinned site. I now not only have like a hand, I think it's like 12 or so, especially like 10th anniversaries and stuff. I like put together nice versions of these things that we made, have Moda remastered them. Um, there's a bunch there ready sort of to just, and it's always free. That's one of the main things. Like it's always free, but I also put to, put together recently a like coming soon for the things that I've been intending, which is another like 17 to 20 things from cabin kids uh, that, it's been such a joy to go there for me because I've had this in my head for a while that I want to do all these, uh, make sure all these, these, uh, albums and stuff that people made have a home and, uh, to see the little coming soon is very satisfying, but there's one that we just finished. that is a drummer that played with me ever, ever since Logan got a real career. (laughs) Uh, his name is Brian Yost. And then I'm through him. I met uh, this other, uh, great musician called Jeff Gill and they, they toured with me a couple years ago, but they had a trio called the NJs and the Jeff, which I talked about in the last show, but I put up their EP with like the first like honorary cabin kids in some ways, because the byline of the dreaming out loud site is something to do with like the, 
you know, preserving the growing creative and I don't know, whatever, but, but it's like a group of friends from Northeastern Ohio. And these guys fall into that category and they're my friends. So like, they're this new thing, uh, new addition to that. So that's my Dave Diggs for the week. Go to dreamingoutloudrecords.com and see a lot of the music that, uh, Kevin kids made Steve, etc. But, um, those same guys, uh, they had this group called Midland Uprising and they put out an album that they made over a few years. That was like this conglomeration of a bunch of different performers. And then it happened over such a long period of time that when they put it up, one of them was really, I don't want to get them in trouble or this, but like somebody freaked out and was like, how dare you use this? It's not online. So I guess no one would know who this is, even if they do hear this was like, how dare you like include this thing that I recorded when I was drunk one night <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to do something serious and music and you fucked it up and we're not friends anymore and all this. Wait, this person did this to you? No, he, uh, or they did this to them, like okay. Je- uh, Jeff and Yost. And, uh, and so they pulled those tracks from the, the, this album, not the one that's up on the Dreaming Out Loud site, but it just, rem- I was just far enough removed from having been trying to do quote unquote something serious in the music business myself to realize how, how that person might feel, but also how absurd that is. And and, like this thing that they're mad exists, exists was making other people happy, you know? And uh, that's one of the things that helped me to embrace, start to embrace those things about my past that maybe I tried to exclude from creating something, some sort of music, persona for people who didn't know me i was like well this is just like some specific part of me that i i value i I enjoyed kind of cultivating that as well but over the last few years i've become more and more interested in delving into my past to find the things that really made me feel like confident and strong and a lot of that was like just dumb stuff like dumb stuff like jcvd or bruce lee like so now i am embracing all of that stuff in like Yeah, exactly. And it's so liberating and empowering to remember that ridiculousness and acknowledge it for what it is, but also like literally sort of feel the strength of, of my youth in that way, uh, has been, I don't know. I, I hadn't had the words for what Twinkie said like a half hour ago before I started talking about your past propelling yourself forward, but that is, uh, that can be a really powerful uh, thing. Um, certainly something that I've been reveling in throughout the duration specifically of this podcast. But, oh my God, sorry. You got you touched a nerve there. Let's get back to Steiner somehow. <laughs> well, I, I actually have a question, if I may, for you guys. Sure. Uh, related to kind of what Twinkie is driving at of the impact of the cabin uh moving into the future, you know, from, from that time. And so we all, I know all four of us knowing our, our stories, we all went transition from the cabin time in uh, some shorter, some a little bit longer, but not too long. We, we went in down of paths in our lives that we have since uh, recanted or at least switched gears again. And I'd, you know, you guys, I'd ask you guys to share as much as you're comfortable with on these topics, but I know for myself that after the, after the cabin, that's when I graduated high school. And, you know, that's of course a time of change. Um, I went off to college, uh, 
And I got married right around then, uh, very shortly thereafter, uh, in 2000. And I kind of went down a, a totally different path and kind of lost touch with everybody. And I went to pursue other things. And that path kind of lasted until oh, 2000, between 2007 and 2009. So just about 10 years, so less than 10 years ago. Uh, and, and since then, I've taken a totally different tack. And for my part, at least, I've put a, a, a wall up or a block. I, I don't think back to those days, uh, the high school, you know, the cabin era, uh, into those roughly 10 years that followed. Uh, and so I haven't really digested it or thought about it. And that's why I had some trouble answering some of these questions of what did you get out of the cabin or how did things go? I'm like, well, I, I kind of blocked all that off. I don't really think about it. I'm in I'm in this new phase, like a, I guess you could say a third phase, or maybe even a, well, maybe not a fourth, maybe a third and a half phase. But I, I, for me trying to process it, I'm wondering how, in a way, all four of us coming from similar yet dissimilar backgrounds ended up hitting this, ended up heading down a track uh, after school and then switching gears later. I'd be interested in hearing your guys' thoughts uh, on, on that topic. I have tons to say always, but I have, I talk a lot. So, <laughs> yeah. so just to, just to kind of clarify, so I understand what you're asking Steiner, just um, how we ended up where we are now or why we maybe view the world the way we do coming from where we came well, from uh maybe a better maybe a better way to ask what i what i'm asking is why did we end up going down the paths we did uh and then end up changing them because it seems like other people just maybe they just keep rolling straight out of high school yeah you know they keep rolling through college and they got and then if their that... partners and their life and everything comes together, whereas a, a common thread for the four of us, I feel, and please correct me if I'm misinterpreting things, but you know, the four of us kind of had to take a, take a turn at a certain point and get off the track that we were on coming out of high school. Yeah. You know, we all kind of realized that the trajectory we were on was not what we wanted. Yep. Um, well, I mean, let me, I, I guess I can take a step at it, a stab at it. Cause, uh, um, the cabin is always one of those things that since, you know, in my adult life, it was all like my thinking about it was always cyclical in the sense of, I always, it, it sounds like the, you know, it sounds like the uncle from Napoleon dynamite that's like, you know. Oh man, if I could go back to 82, coach would put me in and like it is it, it, when I say it out loud, it sounds like that, where I'm just like, I just can't let go of the past. But really, when I come back to the cabin, it's always at like the worst times of my life where I'm trying to like look back to I know I was genuinely happy in that period of my life. And and it's always like it's always like a reset for me. Like when I'm going through something shitty, I can always. What was it about that time period that when I was genuinely happy? So, 
as I'm like after the cabin and, you know, I go through college, I dropped out of college for like a year, ended up meeting my first wife, got married. That all fell apart and like didn't work. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I've changed paths multiple times, even in my adult life, like even, even recently where, you know, I went to college to be a teacher and I felt like that's what I wanted to do from the time I was in sixth grade, you know, and up until recently was I like, fuck that noise. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it, it literally, and it really was like that kind of like a switch just flipped where it was just like, no, um, but it's always funny how in those times when I'm going down those paths, you know, I think happiness, it, it, it is a driving force for any, it, it is, it's logical for any human being to say I'm driven by my own happiness, right? Like, so I'm going to obviously like steer my path towards things that make me more happy. You don't steer. I mean, it's just logical. You don't steer towards things that make you sad, right? Of There's always going to be things that are put in your path that are sad or that are out of your control. But if you can control it, you're going to steer it towards things that make you happy. And so the cabin is for me anyways, is always like, it's this thing that it's like, it's, it's just like that course correction. Well, let's start back there. And what was it about that? That made you happy and what, you know, and even if it is just like a little bit of sunshine on like a fucking year and a half's worth of like cloudy days, you know, and you, and you just kind of go back there in your mind's eye just to get a little bit of sunshine. I, I don't think that's pathetic. If that helps you get through the fucking day and not drive your car into the goddamn bridge embankment, you know what I mean? Like, how is that a bad thing? You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, does that answer your question? Is that what you were going for? Uh, Sure. Because at this point, I'm not sure what I was going for, but yes. Oh, yeah. Well, well right. thank you well, for sharing on that. Well, yeah, no I would, I would take a quick, um, kind of approach. For me, at least, I don't, I don't know if I'm ever, if I was ever really, or or am, really satisfied, um, unless I'm, um, asking questions or or pushing a little bit on the boundaries or being pushed, you know, I grew, I, from my path, I think maybe the jog that, that you may be referring to Steiner is the fact that I went to college for probably a year and a half or maybe even just a year. And then I ended up joining the apostolic church that I grew up in, which we've referenced a couple times. And I was in that church for three and a half years, four years, and then I left that church. Um, and then from there, kind of wandered up to Alaska for some college, for the air traffic control thing, and 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 um, I've kind of remained on a similar course from there. But for me, the motivation for those things was a sort of. I guess intellectual honesty, at least initially, because I knew when I was going to that church that I was faking it <laughs> to a large degree. I wasn't really the person that other people probably saw me as because I was just trying to check all the boxes and be all the things. Um, so I'd like to believe that, you know, whether it's uh, 
Palmer recognizing that he wasn't maybe in the relationship he wanted to be in or, or whatever it is, willing, maybe a willingness to just say, Hey, or Palmer's ex-wife realizing she wasn't in the relationship that she <laughs> wanted to be in. That is probably more accurate. If we're going to be honest, yeah. I feel like we're being honest right now. So I just needed to interject. I'm sorry. Fair, fair enough. No, <laughs> no, I, I do not claim to understand the inner goings of your relationship. Same, Nor do same I want to. <laughs> that, that can be my entire I, I, response I, uh, to the I, question. I, I, I don't understand them either. Yeah. But, but I guess to me, it's like being almost a willingness on my part to be like, I'm wrong right now. Where I'm at is not correct. What do I need to do to correct that? How do I, how do I change what I'm doing to make myself feel like I'm being honest about who I am as a person and reflect it? outward above everybody else why else would i like leave everything i've ever known and the comfort of all of that to be ostracized and um you know kind of cast aside if i i mean nobody chooses i think to want to be the weirdo or the one that's like wrong or going to hell or any number of other things but I think it comes from a point of saying, I'm not where I want to be. This isn't who I am. Who am I? What am I doing? And at least giving it a shot. Um, I've definitely gotten more comfortable over my life saying I'm wrong. <laughs> um, I screwed up. How do I fix it? And I think maybe part of that comes from that, that intellectual honesty. Go ahead, Dave. You know oh, you want to. Oh, oh, man. You know you want to, Dave. I've Wow, I really appreciate a lot of that uh, that you just said. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, similarly to Palmer, like the, the choice to switch gears wasn't so much mine. Um, it, it turned out that the marriage I was in very soon after it started turned out not to be what I thought it was. And the simple fact that I think my then wife realized she didn't want to be married to me. <laughs> and then I had to adjust from there. Um, I, I married someone that I met at the cabin. So that was an extension of that experience uh, for me. And I think, I don't know. I was going to say maybe somehow extra hard because it was related to that, but I don't think so actually. Um, and it was uh, when that happened so I had moved away. I'd moved to North Carolina, uh, where she was going to school. Um, and yeah, I'd let, I'd sort of left everything in Ohio that I knew just to basically follow this, uh, relationship. And when I realized it was over, I came back and I lived in my parents' basement and I was so deeply ashamed that I had this failed marriage, um, that really caught, I mean, the whole thing was, I mean, in hindsight, I see it more, much more clearly or, or, or could have seen it coming or recognized the problems, but it wasn't like we fought or things like that. Uh, there were some essential missing components, <laughs> but uh, even that I wasn't necessarily, I just didn't have a frame of reference to know that that, the, to recognize the red flags, because it was also my first and only real serious relationship. So yeah. Um, anyway, but... So I was uh, I was back in Ohio looking at my wounds and again yeah trying to remember when I was last felt sort of happy 
and strong and sort of my whole world was turned upside down, especially because of the surprise of everything not being what I thought it was. So you start to question so much of what you know or believe to be true about the people around you and yourself. And yeah, um, the cabin wasn't that far in the past at that point. And enough people were still around Ohio that I was hiding out and my parents. And I think I heard from pumps first, actually, uh, who was going through a, a pretty serious breakup of his own at the time. Uh, I can't remember the specifics other than I was trying to be on like, just sort of be, I didn't want anyone to know. I don't know, know where I was or what I was doing. I was so ashamed. And then suddenly like pumps walked into my parents' uh, living room where I was. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then we started to talk about what was going on with him. And I think soon thereafter, my mom might have run into Palmer or perhaps his ex-wife in the, probably Palmer, because I don't think she even known her. And then I then started to spend time over at their house. They were still together, Palmer and his ex-wife at the time. And that was very helpful to me. And I, I spoke recently or semi-recently on this podcast about witnessing this thing where my dad saw his, uh I, I witnessed my dad in the company of some old friends of his. And after many years of health struggles and I think a lot of just kind of losing himself through intense hardships, remembered who he was to them. And that sort of brought it out in him. And I think I've experienced that a lot through sort of cabin kid encounters, going back to say this time when I was newly separated and on my way to being divorced and at age 20, oh fuck, I fuck up the age because that's a that's a big anecdote in my life I returned to around this time. So I know the year would have been 2003 or f- 2004. I have the specific memory. I'm not sure if I told this on the podcast, but that whole sort of derailment of the marriage and the divorce and everything was such a turning point in my young life. And I was so very fortunate to essentially despite my best efforts of hiding out fall into the arms of the cabin kids that were still around and uh and i remember being in the backyard oh so we i don't have a nickname for her so i was in katie hammond's backyard uh and uh, wait real quick we need to have katie hammond on the podcast i think she would do it too if you could yeah maybe you're welcome to delete this as well but Oh, no, that'd be amazing. And I, honestly, like, what does she have to hide of anything? But, uh, yeah. you know. Other but, than being an, an incredible, amazing person, she has nothing to hide. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't want to be associated with us. Uh, to to be well. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. Who <laughs> can blame her, really? We totally uh, understand if you yeah. want to say no, but... Right. Yeah. <laughs> such a super lady i'm sure sure with steiner it was just like oh yeah come on out to colorado come and visit by the way like he lands oh yeah i totally sucked him into it yeah yeah he's he's, he's wednesday night we're gonna record uh this episode of this podcast yeah he's actually locked in my basement with me (laughs) 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 he's got to put at least three hours in before you'll undo the chair that's right that's right Well, so, yeah, so I was in her backyard with pumps. And I remember, I I can't remember very many times in my life where I'm just like laying on my back in the grass as a grown human being. 
but I was with her and pumps and I was bemoaning what was going on with me at the time. And I was like, ah, fucking sucks. And then I'm like, and I'm going to be 24 and like, what am I fucking doing? And, and then there was this, this silence. I'm still amazed to this day that they knew better than me, but somebody was like, you're not going to be 24. I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, doesn't that suck? And they're like, no, no, you're going to be 25. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. That and is fuck you guys too. Yeah. That's totally wrong. You, you don't know what you're talking about. And that like they, I had to get out my driver's license and they were right. And I had somehow lost an entire year Shit. in my own mental clock of like how old I was. Nice. Well, anyway, but <laughs> was, was, was Katie still friends at the time with, uh, uh, oh yeah i mean not really or i mean probably not, not close so much that they were in constant contact or anything okay and okay. i do remember a general sentiment on the part of like my ex-wife of like well they're your friends now i guess something like that oh. uh and it was weird too because it wasn't acrimonious between her and i like yeah but there no, were no yeah. no yeah I, I i and i'm not throwing barbs i i've actually you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I probably know Katie more better than I know any of the other, um, uh, as they were affectionately known the Smithville girls, but yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just because I didn't, I, I somehow, this is why, which is why I want to talk to her somehow just like bonded with her in, in a fairly platonic way, as much as platonic as any 17 18 year old boy can be <laughs> but like somewhat platonically really did um and i and, and i've had, platonic had, meaning she put you in the friend zone right like yeah <laughs> well, like, as any God, platonic 17 year old boy can be with a female yeah no I can, Palmer, I can relate I to that to make myself honestly. look good no no you and don't you, have to make yourself look good i relate <laughs> to that same thing i seriously every like every i i, I was placed in the friend zone by yeah Katie, like are you kidding me like <laughs> I think sometimes that's something a person can put out. And, and, and Kate was always very much, she was very good at kind of making that. Yeah, definitely. There's like a sisterly thing there. There was never like a questioned yeah. situation, at least oh, not yeah, for I me. Know. So I, I definitely not to make, or so that, so as you yeah. won't feel bad, hopefully Twinkie, I experienced the same thing. No, no. And I, I don't, I, I mean, no, I just, Katie, if you're listening to this, you should be on the podcast so you can just tell us all to shut up and you yeah. can give us the real scoop. But the reason I kind of asked you the question about her friendship is because Katie definitely seemed like the person who would just tell it straight, not because she was trying to be mean or anything else, but just because that's how she saw it. And she was interested in keeping the conversation to what it was. So it seems oh, yeah. like she would correct you on your age. <laughs> well, and also she was great. She was, she is, I mean, I haven't seen her in a, a while, but she's, she's a tremendous friend as a lot of cabin kids are. And, and was not, I, I have, not, not as much as when I was younger, because I work at it really hard. <laughs> but I have a, a profound propensity to wallow. <laughs> and uh, and I remember her at the time saying, like, be, being very kind, but also saying, like, I, I'd love to coddle you. Or, like, she's like, I want to coddle you, but I won't. And, you know, this is yeah, why. And uh, That sounds exactly. It was, it was all of that kind of thing. Her and, and Pumps and then getting to spend time then with Palmer. And Larry was around a lot at the time really helped me remember start to remember who I was prior to this divergent path that Steiner had asked about. And then for me, that remembering who I was and trying to process that time resulted in a very prolific 
kind of period of like 10 years of turning that turmoil into like going out and playing music for people in public, which was great fun and all of that and very rewarding, but ultimately kind of ran a course of me having to like wrestle with that idea of like the, you know, why are you doing this? And, uh, you know, if the, as the, as a, any, I don't want to get into all that, but I will say of the cabin thing is in, in the last like two or two years or so, I have again, consciously looked back to that time, largely through this podcast, but even prior to it starting, I was starting to go through these archives and stuff that I talked about in lieu of having those people to hang out with that I just mentioned, like in person, like I got to experience in 2004 to help me remember who I was looking back through this media and the creative expressions of myself and the, and the people we're talking about has helped me remember who I was prior to this, this sort of second divergent path. It's a nice reset. It's a great and invaluable reset for me. Yeah. So Palmer, I'm sorry. I'm going to do that. That's it. Period. (laughs) Steiner, since you asked the question, now you get to answer the question because um, normally when you're asking a question, you're probably coming from some sort of place at which you're asking the question. So I'd be curious as to, uh, from your, first of all, talk about if you're comfortable, your diverging path, and then what, um, if you, if you think there's a link between people in the cabin who experienced that or why you think that, that maybe there's a, uh, it sounds to me like there's some resiliency, at least in, in all of our stories. I would like to believe that. Um, and why you, well, the, the question you asked why, and, and then, um, so the, the, the first thing, the, uh, the reason I, the question came to mind was I thought about the four of us and how there was kind of this common thread um, of going down a path immediately after, after the cabin era and then making a shift a- after a period of time. Uh, so mostly I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that since since it seemed to be a shared thing that we had engaged in. And, and as you guys have mentioned, some of the other cabin kids uh, have, have had a similar experience where we, where they made choices in, at that time and have since uh, reversed them. I guess for myself, the, uh, the kind of the interesting thing to me is that thinking more about it as you guys were talking, I'm not, that kind of was my course coming out of the cabin, coming out of high school was that I ended up doing what I thought I was supposed to do. I ended up doing what, you know, was the norm for our environment. I ended up doing kind of all that I knew. I didn't know that there were other ways and I was probably affected by when I went off to college, I didn't really go off to college. I had already had a relationship uh, finishing high school, and that persisted through uh, the transition to college. I didn't go far away to, for college. Uh, when I was out there, I was back home every weekend and every break. So there wasn't really a, a, an escape, you could say. There wasn't really a chance to experience a different setting. 
probably also compounded by the fact that the college I went to was also in small town northeast Ohio with, well, northern Ohio, uh, but with a similar milieu uh, that we grew up in. And there wasn't a whole lot of difference to be experienced. You know, a lot of other people may have went off at that time and experienced a whole new world and had their mind changed. So I just kind of soldiered on and did what I thought I should do. And I should say I did what I thought was right at the time. I don't have regrets about my choices um, per se. I don't have regrets about my decision making. I don't feel that I actively went against uh, what I thought at the time. It just took a long time for me to realize that that really wasn't who I was or that really wasn't what I wanted. Um, and I, I think a little bit similar to you, Palmer and Dave and different from Twinkies experience. Um, I kind of just rode the rails through that experience and then things changed around me. I didn't have the intentionality that Twinkie did of saying, wait, stop. This isn't where I want to be. I'm going to change. I ended up in a position where things changed around me and I had to adapt. And then even now, 10 years later, I'm perhaps hopefully maybe figuring out what I want to do or what I want to be or how I want to approach things and, 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 and perhaps finally growing up. Maybe that's a weird thing to say. That's um, overrated. I, I would tend to agree and disagree all at the same time. Growing up is a whole topic. I'm sure we could delve into. Absolutely. Uh, but, but that's For the next time you're on. The yeah. next time you're on the podcast, we can share depressing work stories about being adults and how we should on, take on more responsibility in order uh, to advance such things. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> no way, man. I just created the biggest thing to have less responsibility. <laughs> I can, yeah. I can help you out. <laughs> Here's how you throw a wrench in that machine. <laughs> uh, but I hope Twinkie, I addressed uh, what you were asking and maybe you kind of wrap up this part where we've all, went through and shared uh, shared our thoughts on that matter. Um, yeah. Awesome. Jump in with anything. I have a yeah. proposition, gentlemen. Let's Does it involve uh, beer and breaks? Yeah, let's take one more pee break, come back, and I want Twinkie to do his high-level uh, Blade Runner, and we'll wrap it after that. How's that sound? I like it. All right. All right. Definitely did kind of bomb at the box office. It's just people don't want to think, man. Yeah. Fucking Disney. <laughs> it's all Disney's fault. Like, I mean, blame it on Disney. Yeah. Fucking Disney. Fucking Disney. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Am I right? <laughs> no, they figured out the it's they figured out the formula for like the blockbuster. Yeah. It did. And so I'll now that's what everybody wants to make. You know. I'll, 
sure I'll talk about this more, but it's made me, I've watched, I, since Blade Runner, I've watched Fury Road twice. Oh, I'm like, I'm looking for any excuse to watch Fury Road again, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a fucking good movie. No, Fury Road, I really need to see that. Oh my gosh, is it so good. Yeah, it's um, good. I read this really awesome al that it's an allegory for retirement. <laughs> it's literally like, like, so their their epic quest to get to this like Eden, right, is like his quest to get to retirement. Him and his wife, because his wife edited all of his movies too, right? Oh, George so, Miller, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. And so it was like this quest for them to get to retirement. That was the promised land, which was like supposed to be this like green space that like they're trying to get to in Fury Road. Right. And then they get to retirement and they realize that it's just like a wasteland and boring. And so it brings him right back to where they started, which is what they do in the movie. They go by, right back to where they started, which is like him going back to Mad Max. <laughs> And like, uh, there's, I mean, it's deeper than that, but there's, man, it was really interesting when I read it, when I read that. So that's pretty great. <laughs> I, follow, I follow that immediately. That's pretty. Yeah. I like yeah. that. <laughs> uh, so, um, man, though, that movie is fucking fantastic. Just like <laughs> talk about zero exposition, how you can like be immersed. Yeah in a completely foreign world and get zero exposition and by the end totally understand the mythos about it and just like oh man the war boys and the like chrome eternal jesus that shit is good alhalla yeah yeah man I think it's which, fun if you don't know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Twinkie. Go, please. No, no. I was going to say that, which is why I kind of briefly mentioned in the in the in our off uh, microphone dialogue that why kind of in my mind at least have Blade Runner twenty forty nine parallels Mad Max just in the sense that it, the expectation is definitely on the shoulder of the viewer. There's no as in the original Blade Runner they had that voiceover by rick deckard or harrison ford's character to kind of walk people through it because they weren't confident that they could place the uh, weight of of understanding or processing what's happening on the viewer and so in, in in 2049 it is most definitely on the viewer you are required to be present at the theater or your couch um to process what's happening and they need they need your brain you know um to be there as well which is why i did kind of you know production values as well but also just in the process of you're getting what you're getting um we're throwing it at you and it's up to you to be be an active participate in cinema which is not asked of us a lot which is you know i, I kind of refer to it as the anti-marvel not as a slight because i like the marvel spectacle or or star wars spectacle as much as the next person but but it, it isn't those things. And I think that's why it probably performed as poorly as it did at the box office, simply because um, it, it wasn't it wasn't that. I mean, there's other reasons uh, or potential other reasons. But um, I, I wanted to, uh, in my discussion of Blade Runner, 
very high level, no spoilers. I'm not really interested in that. I, I, I'm interested in kind of addressing, we had talked about maybe me recording some of my takes on it. Yeah, I'm trying and to I, introduce a, a segment into the show called yeah. Tookie's Take that yeah. you just send us your thoughts on things yeah. uh, a- asynchronistic of the recording sessions. Like so, yeah. And I that, definitely I, want, I, that I want that to that be to a thing. <laughs> and I actually wanted it to happen on this. But um, the movie was challenging to me personally. And... You know, the movie the movie asks a lot of questions. So when you watch the movie, there's a storyline. There's a plot, right? I mean, that's, that's a movie. There's a plot. You can watch it as point A to point B to point C and watch the set pieces and watch the action and watch the dialogue. It's a movie, and you can watch it as that. But I think just like the original Blade Runner, there's a lot of subtext that it's asking. And primarily, it asks in its subtext, what does it mean to be a human? At least to me, that's what it what it what it says. And in the past like year or so, I have made decisions in my own life, and I don't. They're not like criminal decisions. I know nobody here is going to get subpoenaed to like um, answer criminal decisions. But I've made less than desirable decisions in my life in the last year that have just caused pain to people that I love and care about. And and I don't. I'm not going to get any more in, in depth than that. In watching the movie, it was really challenging to me when it asks what it meant to be a human being in the sense that these people have created, again, we're not anywhere near spoiler territory, but they've created these android um, objects that do jobs that a lot of people don't want to do. Um, and just if you're familiar with the original Blade, Blade Runner, we kind of discover that the the android they're they're referred to as replicants in the Blade Runner kind of mythos might be more human than humans, in the sense that they can um, they end up being able to evaluate things empathetically. The, the famous like Tears and Rain speech that comes from Rutger Hauer's character in Blade Runner, where it's very clear that he understands the pain in the world and, and what he's caused. So I, I found it really challenging to be able to sit down and record something for Blade Runner 2049 because this two and a half hour, like high production value spectacle movie ended up being intense, way more intensely personal than I had originally thought it was. And I wasn't able, at least in my mind, to be able to objectively record a take on it or at least that I was comfortable with. And, and I've had some space and time since then and conversations and um, things, but I think if you get a chance to watch it and you get a chance to ask yourself, like what makes humans special or what, what about us? What about a human makes us different than everybody else? Is it, because of how special we are or how good we are, or is it because we do have flaws and foibles and we are not immune to failures and maybe the humanness is how we react to it and how we deal with it rather than some level of rigid 
mathematical analysis, which you would expect from some sort of Android. So um, first of all, Blade Runner 249 is probably what you've read it out to be. It's a cinematic, in my opinion, masterpiece as far as visuals and sound and acting and all of those like things you would check mark. And then I'm sure it will win various awards. Um, but I, the intensely personal stuff certainly wasn't lost on me. And that's what I take away and value most from it are those types of things. Outstanding. Yeah, I'm I mean, watch the first one and then go see that one this weekend. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I the bride and I uh, watched because uh, I consulted you as I remember Palmer doing. Uh, I think for similar reasons, like which mm -hmm. version should we watch? I think I watched the theatrical version only a few years ago. In the last five years, probably even in, in the last three years, it's the first time I saw it, and I saw it with the voiceover and all that. And then uh, so we watched the final cut in the last few weeks. In, the, in anticipation of her wanting to see the new one. And it didn't feel any different to me. Like, um, and sure. I don't remember, like, it's not like I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine that that stuff was necessary. We talked to uh, Mr. J in the last episode. He was talking about enjoying the voiceover from the theatrical version because it felt like that much more of a noir vibe, which after he said that maybe excited to revisit that version which i might because i got from the library like the four disc oh, edition yeah. of like yeah it's, fantastic. it's got three complete archival versions and the final cut and the uh two hour making of doc feature length documentary and something else uh so i'm very excited to dig into the, all all that and but it's so crazy like literally th two to four times we have discussed and put off just going to any movie always intending to go to this movie so that that's going to happen we gotta we gotta talk to you again i think after yeah after palmer and i have both seen it we can really dig in yeah and Maybe i would steiner enjoy too, that too if he's, but... if he's up for it uh you got steiner have you seen the first one uh i have but it's been a while and i can't say my recollection of it is particularly useful so <clears throat> but i would definitely be in and revisiting that and seeing uh 2049 yeah absolutely mm -hmm. i uh i i think that we could just do a whole Blade Runner episode. Yeah, there's definitely enough material there. I mean, I, I, I think just the impact we can go through directors. Um, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this before or not, but there's like, even in, in Rogue One, there's a shot of the, it's it's right before the scene. Um, well, there's a shot where it's descending into like a city and it's literally a five second shot for shot remake of that first like descent into the street level view of Blade wow. Runner. And you can see the impact that that movie's yeah. had on science fiction creators ever since. And you talk to any, any person who um, like, I would love, I would love to ask Ryan Johnson, you know, the, the director of episode eight, like what impact has Blade Runner had on you? Cause you, you know, it, I mean, all of it, Looper and all those movies, you know that Blade Runner has impacted that style sure. of like. I, I mean, I, I really think that anything, any of that sci-fi noir, which I think Looper is like totally sci-fi noir. Mm -hmm. um, anything of those can find their roots back to that. Um, I, I heard this really awesome factoid of, on the original Blade Runner that if it wouldn't they there was a writer's strike that happened around that 
period in time, which caused the post-production of Blade Runner to like fall into this quagmire. So to just like, just to keep the wheels spinning, they just got to keep working and working and working on the visuals. Like, so if that strike wouldn't have happened, they would have just like rushed out the the movie and got it out. But because they had all this extra time, they really got to like take their time and finalize a lot of the visuals, which I mean, it pays off. I mean, they still stand up to today's uh, stuff. So it's, it's definitely interesting. I mean, there's so much, I mean, from what's the guy, John Batiste in there and Jared Leto and, you got Harrison Ford coming back. I, I mean, everything about it is appealing. It's just I just haven't had a chance to see it yet. I'm, yeah, and, and you know, it, it 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 doesn't shy away from some certain shocks uh, in the sense that it asks questions about how we value certain segments of populations sure. or genders or any of those things. It does. It asks. I think in my mind, if you're if you're willing to look or or able to look or interested in looking or whatever, if you you know. It asks questions about how we view segments of society, certainly. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, Twinkie, I am definitely interested in watching this and then engaging in another shithouse philosopher's talk. Yes! <laughs> oh, my God. That's the name of the, the show. That's going <laughs> to yeah. be the it title of that episode. I like it. <laughs> uh, digging into this nature of humanity and, and discussing all that. So I'm, yeah. I'm definitely in on that. Awesome. Well, we, will have, we would be... More than happy to have you back, Steiner, for sure. This has been an absolute blessing. Please get my number from Twinkie. Oh, absolutely. And when you're back in Ohio, if you're ever down Dayton Way, man, we'd love to have you up for the weekend. So. Oh, that would be fantastic. And just to tell you guys, I, uh, Dave, I re- got the original link for the podcast from your Dreaming Out Loud mailing list, just like Twinkie. Oh, wow. I, That's awesome. I listened uh, to the several few episodes. Um up until the first cabin kids with Twinkie um, listened to those earlier this year. And I was on hiatus. And once we solidified our plans here uh, for me to come out to Denver to visit uh, Twinkie, I went on a, a, a bender and crammed the, I forget how many it was, 20 some episodes in 11 days. Oh my Whoa, gosh. That's, that's gotta that's be so many hours. hours. <laughs> Approximately four thousand hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, man. I am both proud and a little embarrassed to say that I am uh, current up to Tuesday's <laughs> up to yesterday's episode. I am now current. Oh, oh my god! god. I'm not even current. I'm like, oh my gosh! And I am nearly crazy. complete in terms of my podcast listening. Oh. Uh, I would also like to mention that I have experimental evidence. Uh, from this weekend, that Des Moines is in fact three W three LWSDs from Ohio, oh, right? Three WLWSDs <laughs> from Colorado. So it is mid. It is midpoint. Then yeah. that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I, I drove out here to Colorado, and you guys were in my ears the entire way. Wow, it was, it was oh, immensely enjoyable. Oh, well, bless well, your you heart. Had, you Holy had plenty cow. of material to get you through. I mean, Oh, geez. more than enough. More than yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> it was enjoyable, but it was more than enough, let me tell you. <laughs> wow. Uh, oh, man. See, that's, that's why, like, this is, 
I, I don't care if anybody else listens. Like that kind of stuff right there is like makes it worth it. For yeah, sure. Love, That's how I, I feel too. To come back on and discuss all of the podcasts I put on hold uh, over the last week uh, to listen to you guys. Oh, oh well, give shout give shout outs to your regulars. Yeah, uh, what do you man. listen to? Oh, uh, as Twinkie has mentioned in the past, uh, the Dan Carlin Hardcore History and Common Sense. Uh, as Dave has mentioned in the past, uh, W2F with Mark Marin, which I also came to late and, and enjoy listening to his interviews. Um, there's a, a couple of local Cleveland sportscasters who uh, do a podcast called A to Z, which is great uh, because it means I can stay abreast on the various happenings in Northeast Ohio related to sports without having to listen to actual sports radio. Which would drive me insane. Yeah. Um, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, uh, the Geologic Podcast with George Robb, which are both uh, skeptic centered, which is an, an interesting rabbit hole to go down. I, sorry, I, I will continue to go on and on, and we should really. Uh, I would love to spend more time going through my podcast playlist and discussing it with you guys. Wow, well, we'd uh, love to hear it. Thank yeah, you so but, much for putting all that stuff on hold to get current. Jesus Christ! Yeah, and of course to come on here and talk to us and oh no, great. Did you go through? You. Did you go through God. all the like the uh, all the book club stuff too and everything? Uh, so I'm not gonna lie, uh, I did skip a fair bit of Dead Zone. That's Son okay. of a bitch! You're fired. You're fired. Dead Zone centric. Like, I, I I did I did listen to a bit of the beginning and I realized oh shit I have a ton of material to get through <laughs> out of here. yeah like uh, fifty hours but I, I did listen to kind of your guys' wrap up because I am not spoiler adverse for a lot of these things I like I enjoyed your guys' discussion of it because I had no intention of watching it or reading it and I love hearing your summary of it um uh, other than Last Jedi uh. No Last Jedi spoilers for me. I'm on lockdown until December. So yep, I, I haven't even seen. Watched, I didn't even watch the newest trailer. No, I've not yeah. watched any trailers. I don't want to know anything. I want to go to the theater and experience it for what it is. And I, I, I Good guess. Good or bad. I guess this is the one that's going to exactly. determine if these new movies are worth it. Oh, don't, it's don't, not gonna I be don't bad. Go are you crazy? Yeah. No, no, other than no. to say, I am. I am part of Palmer's household where. There are only three movies that have ever been produced in the Star Wars universe. Yes, that's it. There are no prequels. There is nothing else. There is only episodes. For some reason, they're mysteriously numbered four, five, and six. (laughs) Yeah, but I put Rogue One in there. I like Rogue One a lot. Oh, I will come back and argue with you about Rogue One as well. Well, (laughs) No, I know there's shit. I know there's people that think Rogue One is shit, but man. Uh, Rogue One is the reason I'm on lockdown for episode eight because I listened to too much in my podcast uh, uh, podcast listening. I heard too many things, and I went into Rogue One and was ended up coming out disappointed. So yeah, I am I am on I'm quarantined until December in Star that's, Wars. Now. That's totally fair. I've watched all the things. I go online and speculate with people. <laughs> I love it. I will keep speculating. I will keep watching the things. Wiki is always like the like it never fails. He's always like the opposite. He's just like hype train. Was, yeah, like I'm I'm gonna be on that hype. I'm 
<laughs> Hype train coming through. <laughs> on the hype train yeah that's my favorite thing ever absolute (laughs) pleasure having you on thank you guys for having me i enjoyed every bit it's everything i hoped it would be listening to all 32 33 episodes prior to this so yeah wow likewise please please uh, join us anytime and i need to know this bar story oh we we will absolutely get back to that and talk i would love to talk to each of you guys about our uh our second cabins yeah, absolutely. There's we have a whole we have the whole next time you're on. We have all the topics already. Yeah, give me a call anytime. Yeah, awesome, man. Sweet. Well, this hey. has been episode 35 of Long Walk Short Drink. I'm Palmer. Hey, Twinkie from Denver, also representing Akron, Ohio. Hey-o. Yeah. Um, Dave uh, talking to today from Northfield, Minnesota, but of course representing Ritman, Ohio. And this is Steiner. I'm in Denver today, but I will soon return home to Akron. Awesome. Denver City. And I always am in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. You guys have a great day, and uh, we'll catch you in the next episode. Cheers. Right on. <laughs>